nitride. Here we go, my dear. Okay, I'll be right back. All right. Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia. You could make all my dreamin' come true My heart is just droolin', Patricia, no foolin' I'm falling in love with you Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no foolin', I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in Everybody, it is Saturday night, March the 18th, year 2017. I had a visual image while Perry was singing of the waltz. Of uh, uh, Patricia doing a waltz on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia has to learn to walk first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, gee. Really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. It had a nice walk beat to it. I thought, see, there, Patricia doing her waltz, you know. Yeah. Can't do a mean polka. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So that's a great question for you, my dear. What? You know, in school. But in what? In school. In the dark ages when we were all in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get carried away. Okay. Occasionally they would have us do dance classes. Which I did. Well, I had to learn how to square dance. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, fun. oh, yeah. So? Maybe. So was did, it fun for you? Yeah, it was fun. It so, was fun. So it was did not you, your favorite. It was fun. Okay. So, I believe you now. Okay. So, so 
Did you ever do the two-step in dance class in school? No, we didn't have dance in school. We did have father-daughter dances. My dad was a good dancer. Ah. Yeah, and he carried me. (laughs) 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 We came in second. (laughs) You are good. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He was was doing a, a... I mean, a mean waltz. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. That's, that's what the final music was. They, it, it was an elimination contest. Okay. You know, so they'd stop the music and toss out one or two, mm-hmm. and then start more music and toss out some more <laughs> <laughs> out of the competition. And there were two of us left, so Aww. that person got first and we got second. That's very nice. That's a nice memory to have. It is. Yeah. It is. And we really had fun. Um, it, it was one of the few times that my dad and I had um, social, you know, mm-hmm. social things together. Right. It, it just worked out that way, and this was one of them, and it was really fun. I know there. I know the other social thing you two would do together. What? You guys played chess together. <gasps> my goodness, yes, we did. Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. I snook at him one night. <laughs> How did you do that? How did you do that, my oh. dear? <laughs> we had our opening moves, uh-huh. and he was talented enough to think six or seven moves ahead. Okay. And he spent so much time thinking ahead that he forgot to think at the moment. <laughs> 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 he made his move, and he's uh-huh. all happy because he's got six more in his head. Uh-huh. And I looked, and I said, this can't be. Well, let me see. <laughs> back and forth. Back and forth. Uh-huh. So I moved my piece and said, I think that's checkmate. <laughs> he said, that, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. And he looked and he started moving his pieces around. He said, it's checkmate. <laughs> so uh, that didn't happen very often. But it was, it was simply because he was paying attention to the to the future instead oh, yeah. of the present. Oh, yeah. But, uh, and you got to do that, you know? You do. Because uh-huh. when, when I play chess, I'm, I'm very aggressive. So I like to do, you remember the, 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 the maneuver that you can checkmate somebody in three moves. And so... I don't remember the gosh, that must have been the <laughs> <laughs> one that I locked into. I, I can't remember. So, Whatever I did, it was good. Ah, or whatever he did, it was bad. <laughs> I think you have the combination of the two before you can do something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hi, everybody. It's a Saturday night. This is Patricia's Dance Nights of the Week, you know. You, like, uh, <laughs> throw, out her, throw out her dance card. She might look at, look it over and pick, it, pick out which one. That's a, that's a throwback to the old days of, it, of a dance card. I don't know if that custom was still... Part of the 50s and 60s, but it seemed like you listen to the old radio shows. It was a big thing before 1920, where people had dance cards and things like that. Uh huh. Gone with the wind and yes, so many of the hard. When I say hard, that's a silly word. The true Southern traditions. Yes. And those movies just carried us right through there. Mm-hmm. But yes, and many of the old books that I read have dance cards in there. 
and some uh, of the girls threw out all the other boys. <laughs> said, okay, I'll have you as number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> Would you think she was interested in the young man? Wait a minute, we're not having a, a weekday conversation. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh my goodness, I am so messed up with this clock change. You want to oh, tell the family? Want to tell the family your your journey of the week? I mean, this after all, this is the week. Week after the big event of the time shift. So how was your yeah? How was your week? You want me to tell you what I did on Tuesday, right? Yes. <laughs> Poor Walter. <laughs> he calls. I don't know what he said, but he said something about tomorrow. And I thought, what am I supposed to do tomorrow? <laughs> I asked him, what are we doing tomorrow? And he said, we've got the show. <laughs> Innocent. I thought it was going to be Wednesday the next day that we were talking on Tuesday. Yes. And yeah. in fact, we were talking on Friday. Friday. So you were just three days. You were just three days behind. That's all. Uh, yeah, but I never got them. The extra ones. Nobody sent them. Well, maybe you'll get them next week. You'll feel. You'll feel oh, like I a ten-day like, week. I feel like such a doofus when I do <laughs> stuff like that. I keep people entertained. You do. I think. It's part of your, it's part of your comedic routine. Yeah, and stuff like that there. Very well, I was sick this week. Maybe you could you could let me have that one? I absolutely. A lot of people were sick this week. I was, uh, uh, my mom got, my mom got this bug. Larry got this bug tonight. There's, everybody got this sick bug. So far, Lord willing, I haven't been blessed with it. But it's been a very sickly week for the, for the family unit here. We, you know, my dad had a 104 temperature. My mom's now sick. Larry's sick tonight. And Patricia's been sick this week. So all radio family are sick. So if you want to say, oh, you can email Patricia at floridawriter at hotmail.com. And however, that be great? How yeah. it, however you spell, oh, she'll figure it out. And, and what show played last night, please? Of uh, the awful shows? I don't. Yeah. I never got to that. So Larry's gonna have to. Oh, what? No, 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 no. Yes, I did. It was a really good sounding copy of Dangerous Doctor Danfield. Um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't his worst, but it's interesting that Frank loved it and John Dunning thought it was a <laughs> bomb. <laughs> it's just, it is so unusual for that to happen. Uh, well, no, it isn't. He loved Doctor IQ too, didn't he? Oh uh, well, in uh. It pays to be ignorant. That was one of Frank all-time favorite oh, shows. Yeah. Oh, please, not Dr. IQ. That was good. That was good. Um, yes, it pays to be ignorant. Yes. Frank liked. He liked. And, and he also, he's also a big fan of Mr. King. Because what well, he... It's okay. It's hokey, but it's okay. Well, what thing always got me, he, he was in, in, he was in high, when he was in high school, the high school had a record player that actually made recordings. So after school, he would use the school equipment to make copies of Mr. King. <laughs> Good old Frank. <laughs> would you believe it? Oh my goodness! So, so, so um, the L- L- A- the L A high school system has supplied some old time radio to the hobby. Thank you, Frank Brzee, playing with your equipment. So, so there. He'll have the bill in the morning. <laughs> That's funny. I really like that. That's a funny. 
So, yes, um, I have to go back and check and see what John Dunning said about it pays to be ignorant. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what he said? Nope. It would be fun to look at the book and have him have him have him hang up for about half an hour and I'll do all of my research. That's okay. Everything finished. I'm only kidding. That's okay. Now, family, we we need to go. We we need to go. Well, if you think he's kidding, you you can, you can talk to him, find out. You know, she'll know. She'll know in a half hour. Whatever answer she gives you will be just a half hour delayed. But that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when Fred calls in and starts talking about basketball, I'll do a little homework. Okay. Here. Okay. You're you're not going to be fully engrossed in that side of the conversation, huh? Well, I don't think so. Gee, I, don't I think mean, so. You, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you t are you admitting to the family that you do tune out sometime? Um, that might be too mild. <laughs> <laughs> we just never know, do we? Thank goodness there are two of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fred would be all by himself. Okay, okay, okay. I I've been caught by Patricia a few times over here sneaking out of the room while she's having a conversation, and I don't know how she knows when I'm out of the room. She knows. I do. You know. I do. And it only takes one all in, and when there is no answer, <laughs> I know where you are. One of two places. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. I think you do that by instinct. You get the you get the feeling in your bones, and that's when you call Walt and get to double check on me, and then that's when you uh -huh. you ca you catch me. That is correct. Uh huh. That's female intuition, I guess, what they call it, huh? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but, but it works. I have one of those whatevers, and it works. Oh yes. Oh yes. So, what do you have to announce? A couple of things. Three things I want to go over with the family. Uh huh. Later tonight. We're going to feature Patricia's interview with Paul Carnegie, one of the last sound effects men of radio, and it's about 45 minutes long, so that will be heard in the latter portion of the show. And in five weeks from today, mm -hmm. it's a sad day for Yesterday USA. Oh. Because, because Patricia has the night off. Because we'll be up in Seattle broadcasting live 21, 22, 23. John, Larry, and I will be making the trip. And I, for the last three nights, I've been working till 4 a.m. on all the reps, uh, scheduling, blocking, rehearsing, and I already got John, Larry, and Forrest. Rehearsing? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I did all the rehearsing schedules and and all that kind of stuff. So I already put John, Larry, and Forrest shows and maybe five. So I'm going to keep wow. them I'm going to keep them busy. And, uh, because, you know, I guess I like to keep them busy. Anyway, so that's so that will be Saturday night, April twenty second. We'll be broadcasting live from Seattle. So Patricia has Saturday night off now. I understand through the great vines, um, yeah. in in negotiations, yeah. Patricia is considering doing a morning appearance on Dave's show. Oh no, that's confirmed <laughs> because you gave me away for the day. <laughs> I never go back on promises, even if other people make them. Otherwise, I punch them in the 
So that's Saturday morning, April 22nd. So we know Patricia will pull an all-nighter the night before to do that appearance for three hours and then go to bed. Gee, I don't know. The last time we had together, it was 10 o'clock. Yeah? I didn't ask him when I was going to be assaulted. Well, I guess you're gonna find. I guess you're gonna find out in the f- five weeks. I guess. Yeah. So anyway, if I'm not here, it's because Walden gave me away. He it, did. You know. You know. He said. You know. She can be with you. <clears throat> yes. Did you learn that strategy from your mother, the guilt complex syndrome? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You know how to do it all by yourself, huh? Give, give somebody who you who loves you dearly the guilt complex that I gave you away. Oh, you did. <laughs> you said, "Well, Patricia will be off, but you can have her." Well, <laughs> and it's true. It's okay. I won't pick on you anymore. No, I think it's fine. There's a there's a running. This might be as good a truth you will. We'll find. We see if we can strike it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Walden said Dave could have me. And well, I would can, like to can, know if anyone feels that's not quite culture. the best route. Well, I mean, they, they, at the end of the show, Dave was hacking, well, you know, that time when you have off, and that's why I said, I can tell you the night, the night, the night, but ever since that, Patricia haven't forgiven me. I'm, I'm going to learn my lesson the next time. No, it's not a matter of having forgiven. It's a matter of having not forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to have to approach this uh, at a different strategy. I'm just going to have to let Patricia make her own decision on her own time schedule. I guess that's the moral of the story. No, it's okay. Because he would have asked anyway. And I would have said yes. <laughs> anyway. <gasps> I will, I will be with Dave Kane, who is our friend in Rhode Island. That's he right. was with us last week and spoke for a while. We chatted back and forth on the show. And he has been so good. He's invited me several times to join him on his show, and I am very pleased that he does that. That means I haven't goofed up yet, but I'm working on it. When you work on it. And I want to announce to the chat. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> I want to announce to the Saturday Night family that I am really looking forward to this Tuesday, March 21st. Uh, Patricia and I, maybe Larry, it depends on the schedule, but mostly going to be Patricia and I, are going to have the great honor to talking to Jimmy Stewart's daughter, Kelly. And I'm really looking forward to that. She was a nice person to talk to yesterday, and... That will be very nice to talk about with Dad. And we'll be using that for Jimmy Stewart special in the month of May. So, because she is one busy lady when we saw her schedule. So, that's why we're going to do it now rather than take the cans trying to figure out all her traveling and stuff like that there. So. My head was a little dizzy going through this schedule. You know, I'll be I know, here I... in Europe on this, <laughs> and this is, you know, and I don't know where she was. She wound up somewhere in what, November, <laughs> 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 but she said, finished with saying, "I'm available all during March." Yeah. And I said, "Walden, Walden, get her, get her, get her." <laughs> so, good old Walden, he got her 
So she just wants some of her topics ahead of time. So family, I think you did a dynamite job on those questions. I don't know if I could add anything. Well, go ahead and maybe families, if you want to submit some ideas, send them to Patricia at FloridaWriter at Hotmail.com. We're going to try the next day or so send them to to Kelly ahead of time. I'd like to have it look at by Monday morning or so. That way she has over a day to... She said, there's so much I can talk about my dad. I just, you know, she said it would just help me figure out what we can go through the first time. And I said, we would love to have you back multiple times. And he said, I have so much stuff to say. So this is going to be a a wonderful special occasion. It sure is. Yeah. And now what day is that? This Tuesday. Not, not the date, but the day. Tuesday. March. I'm hoping you'd say Wednesday. <laughs> and give me a break on this stupid I did this week. Tuesday. Tomorrow. What are we going to do tomorrow? It's the show. So, it's, okay. It's Tuesday, March okay. 21 at, at 5 o'clock Eastern when you and I will talk to her ahead of time. That is very excellent. So, so excellent. Well, 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 I'm assuming you'll have some ideas for some questions for me in the next 24 hours or so? or Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. I'll put that in my half hour that you're going to give me. I'm only kidding. I'll give it to you anytime. No. I'll give it to you. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, see, now, I'm feeling better tonight. You were so tired yesterday. You want to tell the family what you were doing when I called you? What was I doing? You you had your hand you were sweeping your you in your hands what, what, yesterday when I called you. Oh my gosh, I've been doing that for weeks. Yeah. I just prop my my chin on my hands while I'm reading something on the computer, and I do not get past a couple of sentences, and I'm asleep. I just fall asleep sitting up with my hands under my chin. I have been doing that regularly. Well, that's good. That tells you that you're catching up to all the sleep that you missed when you were a kid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're always so good to me. <laughs> I definitely look at the I, I definitely look at the the cup half full. There's no doubt about that. Mhm. You have a topic or a theme or something you want to tell the family before we open up the fa- phone lines for the family. Yeah, I was. I was thinking about St. Patrick's Day because we missed it yesterday. Mm-hmm. But under the circumstances, <laughs> why don't we just go with, should Patricia be offended that I got given away? Okay. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good question to put Walden in the, in the doghouse. If you'd like to see Walden in the doghouse, you can call Walden at 714 2071, give him the raspberry for giving away Patricia. <laughs> Let him know. It's just for one day. 714. So, I think they have to be lenient. 545-2071. If you really love Patricia, you will call. 714-545-2071 and give Walden the raspberry for giving Patricia away for, oh, for three hours. Well, it depends on what version of the raspberry. There's maybe an East Coast version and a West Coast version. Oh, uh, gee. I thought raspberries were raspberries. I don't okay, know. Okay, give me the two versions. <laughs> the one I know. Yeah, the one I know. Well, so that's it. We've got East Coast, West Coast connections. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess yeah. so. 
do we need to talk to our family? Uh-huh. The family, you are welcome to call. Someone we four, are here. Five, four, unless, five. Unless you don't want us and you're all sick in bed, bless your heart. Two, two, oh, seven, one. If you're sick in bed, Patricia, Patricia will join you as soon as possible. So it just depends. <laughs> Would you rephrase that? <laughs> just a little bit. If you're sick in bed, Patricia will decide to go to her bed and be sick in bed too. So it's up to you. If you want her awake, bright-eyed and bushy-tail, or, you know, whatever you want her to be. Well, if um, we rephrase that, it might work. What's a better way? Are, what's the better way of saying it? If you are in bed and sick, uh-huh. Patricia will be in bed and sick as in Florida. Or something like Something to differentiate what you're talking Oh, my goodness. Hello there, you are with Patricia. Well, apparently the phone is working. That's true, Dan. The phone yeah. is working. The, yes. the sun is up. The stars are in the skies. Uh, the clouds are Did you blue. Think it was not working? Um, well, I Someone had, was calling, so I thought, I, well, I, I'll try I, the phone and see if it's working. You know what? I'm the one that reports the station being out of order, and the phone's not working, and... Sending smoke signals and you emails. Yeah, and you, you are the man in charge. And then, and then huh? you are the know, man. We know you're listening instead of working. That's, That's nice. right. That's right. You know, I'm I'm glad the I'm glad the library's in good hands with you, Dan, because you work there 24 hours a day. I don't know how you have time to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> we we had this conversation at work earlier today. You know, people. I think some people just assume that the library lives at the library. And do they? Well, it depends on how much yeah. you make. <laughs> but, you, you know, I mean, if, if, if that was really the case, then there's no sense in paying mortgage on your house, right, Dan? I mean, what, you're not there enough to make it worth make, make it worthwhile. That's right. You I'll know? just sleep under the circulation desk. Hey, that's a great idea. They should have a sleeper room at all libraries. So when people are tired of reading books, they can go right down for an hour or two. Yes, that's right. It happens. <laughs> Have you ever caught any student at late at night just sleeping away at their desk? At the old oh, room? yes. Oh, yes. You know, and we get pizza deliveries and Jimmy John's deliveries, and, you know, they, they hang out there. I, I feel like holding up a sign, you know, please feed the librarian. <laughs> So, so have, have have there ever been a student that offered you a slice? Oh, there's been a time or two. Okay. Uh, we we got uh, Shamrock uh, Sugar Cookies this week. And who delivered those to you guys? You know, I asked several people, and and they never really said that. One of the student workers said, "No, nah, some fellow came by with this bag of cookies." and happy uh, St. Patrick's Day and went on his merry way. So, wow. You know, when I worked at the public library, we uh, we used to have a lot of food dropped off. You know, one of our friends would make uh, um, fruitcake, and her secret ingredient was rum. Wow. 
I yeah. mean, you can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. So what's up in Indiana tonight? Well, not a whole lot. It's uh, warming up just a little bit. We've been cold. We've been hot. We've been warm. We've been all over the map. You know, like uh, a couple weeks ago, we got up to 79 degrees here. Was that a record setter or a record matcher? That was a record setting 79 degrees. We had uh, tied 78 three times in the past in 1883, 1888, and I believe 1932. And this is the first all-time record? Yes, correct. Well, sort of. Yes, and everything, or well, quite a few items bloomed out and started the pollen season, too. Hmm. I yep. hear, I hear, according to John Gaffman, we're supposed to get rain here Tuesday and Wednesday, so I want to send that to okay. you guys, send that to you guys as snow in, the, in about three days later. Uh, I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling we might have a late March or early April snow. Mm. Well, up in, you know, they had a huge snow up in, like, upper New York upper uh, oh my uh, the upper New England states yes you know so tomorrow inches on first swipe the other day you know tomorrow is the, is the day when the swallows return to Capistrano so that must mean Tuesday supposed to be the first day of spring so then oh. with <laughs> it's, it's true it's supposed to be <laughs> are you uh, a are you a doubting Patricia <laughs> I think so uh-huh. I think so. I'm just not going to fuss with Mother Nature anymore. I have tried to appease her. Mm-hmm. I have tried to be nice to her. Mm-hmm. I have tried to ask her why she's so angry. Mm-hmm. And nothing happens. So there, she can do without me. But mm-hmm. are you just going to talk to the animals instead? Of course. Okay. From a distance. Nothing close and personal? Mm, nothing. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Have you been keeping track of the giraffe that's trying to have the uh, baby? I have not heard about this. You okay? So where's it? Where's trying to have what her baby? Uh huh. So where's mama? Yes. Where's mama giraffe? Giraffe located right now? Give me uh, thirty seconds. I will tell you. Okay. The beauty of Google. I, mm-hmm. I have not really. Um, Followed it that close. You know, that, that would be sort of a long drop, wouldn't it? When when the baby falls out? Mm, I don't know. Uh, I'd say a couple feet at least. Oh, my gosh, uh, yes. When, a, when an elephant has a baby, it just crashes onto the concrete. I never understood why the zookeepers or, you know, the preserves or uh-huh. whatever... Let that happen. I mean, at least pile up some hay. <laughs> poor baby. Exactly. <laughs> I have the information you were requesting. Okay. That uh, the giraffe is at the Animal Adventure Park at Harpersville, New York. Oh. And yes, and I did not know that. there's a web there's a webcam up there. Harpersville is uh, spelled a little uh, differently. It's H-A-R-P-U-R-S-V-I-L-E. 
if that's the correct spelling according to this website. So, so it's the story because we have a, a cam on her, and so we're watching Mama? Correct. Oh. How long has the correct. poor thing been in labor? Uh, good question. I think it's been every bit of about three weeks now. Oh. She might be worn out by now. Oh, my God. I... I... I don't know how they know when the baby is coming, but uh, oh, yeah. here it says the calf will weigh around 150 pounds and be about six feet tall at birth. So, 150 pound baby? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty and good. And Mama is 15 years old. That's a pretty good. And this kid. will this will be her fourth calf. Well, she knows what she's doing, but goodness, it sounds like she needs some help. Yeah, I uh, I think that could be something to keep in mind. It makes you wonder if um, these places like zoos and things have full-time veterinarians on staff, or do they, when they need somebody, they call them in and they do special examinations. Yes. If uh, someone would like to see the webcam, they can go to uh, one of the local TV stations here. It's whas11.com. And uh, they have a banner across the top, a red banner, on their homepage, uh, directing you to the uh, site. So, that's whas11.com. Well, pretty soon we're going to have... Oh, pa- poor baby. Pretty soon we'll have Patricia's Eagle Cam up and rolling again. I assume she'll be giving us Eagle updates here in the next month or so. She'll be well. surrounded with all... She'll be surrounded with all of her bird books. That's true. It looks like from not from Fox News seven hours ago, mm-hmm. there was a calf. April the hmm. pregnant giraffe's calf doing cartwheels. Whatever that means. But anyway, really? her baby is born. I'm doing cartwheels. How does a how does a little giraffe do cartwheels? Uh, they probably have video of it. It's a good question. I'm looking at the site. I do not see Mama Giraffe, but I don't see any baby. Well, let me see what popped up here. I have to turn off the sound so we do not. Um, April, the pregnant giraffe. Sounds like a kid's story. Well, let's see here. Okay, well, you you don't have to wait with bated breath. I'm just looking for a video <laughs> here. <laughs> well, Dan, what's the, uh, next, what's the next historical event you got to get working on? You got to work on any display cases? Anything you got to do the next month or so? Or is that are you in sort of a quiet period of that part of your career? Uh, kind of a quiet period right now. Uh, <clears throat> we are... Uh, I've got a few events I'm working on, but uh, nothing too uh, nothing too big at this point. It's a little grant writing, and uh, of course we're gearing up for uh, July uh, reenactment this year. How many pages are the grants? Uh, Patricia told me in the old days when she used to do a little bit, quite a minimum of like 50 pages, I think she said. What the documents they're, now? They're, they're a little more streamlined, and of course uh, now uh, most grants are all uh, 
online. You have to mm-hmm. basically yeah. type an answer on, you know, a, a form. And uh, usually mm-hmm. they want you to be a pretty uh, um, concise with your answer. Go ahead, my dear. You were saying when you did a little grant writing, what was it was different though when you were doing it, right? Yeah, well, it probably was very different. I, I did. Um, I don't think anything I did was more than twenty-five pages. Mm. But they had specific instructions. They had specific requirements. That everything was to the letter, and if you did not get the letter right, then it came back. So exactly. it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. important to keep it in line. But none of mine ever came back. That made me very happy. So, so Dan, how do you, how do you turn, there's probably all the grants you write, you probably hope that you hit on a certain percentage of them, right? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, you want to kind of keep, you know, your financial records in order and, you know, be able to pull out and show them what you've done. Um, you know, and oh, and then they also want to make sure that you've been audited, you know, independently audited, and yeah, they they have certain requirements that. Uh, but every grant, uh, every grant you you worked on, you maybe you hit out one out of every five, one out of every ten, or you really don't keep track of a certain batting average. Yes, yes, I you know, I, if you get fifty percent. I'm happy with 50%. Uh-huh. You, know, um, you know, you always hope for more, and sometimes you get a few more. It, uh, it just depends on the, uh, you know, a lot of times it just depends on how much time you have to devote to the grant writing, of course, when you're mm-hmm. busy with so many other things. Yeah. So, sometimes you have to get a like, whole program in 150 words or less, you know. <laughs> yes, that's the key now with the with the online grant uh, forms. You know, you they, they want you. I mean, they have specific instructions. You know, no more than 150 words in this section, no more than 25 here, and mm-hmm. then you have to. And they mean it. You turn in 27, they, and you're toast. So, uh, are most of the grants sponsored by the state, or sponsored by the Fed, or private, or where? How how do you determine what grant to apply for? Some are through historical, uh, you know, um, like through the Indiana Historical Society, and mm-hmm. you know, some are through uh, local foundations, and uh, some from some local companies. But uh, you know, you you have to. I mean, it it gets to be quite tedious now. Like when you have documents, you want to. Submit. You have to have those scanned into a PDF, and they have to be, you know, uh, then attached to your document. Are most grants asking now for photos to be uploaded to their site too? Uh huh. So yes, uh-huh. they, you know, they they will either want what you've done in the past, or they will want copies of all your press releases, and you know, they want their, um, you know, their Anything organization, you know, what. Uh, it's like going to an employer and he says, well, I can't employ you until you come with some experience. And the person says, how am I going to get experience if nobody hires me because I don't have experience? But they want your experience. And 
kind of think that's fair. So, yeah. are the most of the photographs taken by professional photographers, Dan, or can you well, use your, cell, your, you know, your, your camera or your, t your cell phone camera? Or how good of a photo do they want, per se? Well, you know, professional would be great. But, yeah. you know, in this day and age, I think if you can get a, something photographed with your cam with your uh, phone, that would be a that'd be a plus right there. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, you know, just try, and if you don't get a grant, you can ask some organizations to critique your grant. And they'll tell you, well, you know, you were, you know, you need to beef up this part here, you need this, you know, uh, you need to improve on this, and, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're willing to give you advice. Do most, grants, had, do most of them allow you to apply for every year, or do they, do you have to wait once every three years to reapply? Uh, there are some stipulations like that, but usually it's just within the, the year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have your grants critiqued that weren't successful, Patricia? No. Um, I always did them for somebody else. They were not mine. And uh -huh. nobody came back and said we need to do it again. Oh, really? Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, and then they were small ones. It certainly wasn't, um, you know, the endowment for the arts type thing. Um, yeah. They were relatively small. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah. I'm sure the regulations were less strict than what you have to deal with, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, if you're going after a $2,000 grant, you know, a lot of times you just have to, you know, uh, outline, uh, outline what you're going to do. And, you know, when you get up into the grants worth, you know, $10,000 or more, that's when, it, you know, they do have more requirements. Yeah. Did, did you go take a class how to write grants or anything like that, Dan? Uh, I, I did take a few, you know, uh, workshops uh -huh. in the past, and uh, you know, but really the best thing is just applying and you know, uh, learning it firsthand. I mean, some of these classes for grants, I mean, there'll be a two-day class and it'll be six hundred dollars. That'd be good size hit in the old pocketbook. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but may I rescind something? Of course, my dear. Yeah, the headline writer was stupid. Um, April has not had her calf, and what they were talking about with um, doing cartwheels is that the baby is moving very actively. Oh. That's an interesting so, headline. Yeah, yeah. So, apparently she has not actually gone into labor. She is preparing for labor, and this is one of the steps when the baby starts moving in circles and rotating. No, April looks fine. I thought it was a still photo for a while, mm. and it actually is a cam. She just stood so still for so long. I thought, well, you know, whatever, and they've got lots of stuff spread on the floor for her. Well, my think my thinking if the baby start kicking, it could probably put a pretty good side kick inside there, probably. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I mean she's six. She's gonna be 150 pounds and six feet tall. I imagine her kick got to be pretty good. I'd say those legs are pretty long. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe they come out first in a in um in a giraffe and many other animals. How about in cows? Isn't that a hoof first? To what now? A cow. A 
when when a cow gives oh, birth. Oh, a yeah. cow, a cow. Uh, a cow you want the cow? Do you want the calf to come out uh, nose first? Nose first. Wow. Oh. So feet first is a problem. Well, I mean, you know, uh, front legs first is okay. So, have you ever been there for a birth of a uh, of a farm animal, Dan? Oh, many, many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> Any stories? Anything that comes to mind? Uh, yes, but probably would save it for a different location. And, yeah, yeah, okay. for, you know, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it can get gross pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Not, not, not for city dwellers. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably telling what? the truth. Huh? She, Not the city folks. Did you refer to a particular person or person? Uh, not really. Well, uh, here she is, a nurse. I guess baby. she's had some experience with uh, birthing babies. See, I, I think not really is a weasel word. Wow. <laughs> Either no or yes. Not really is a weasel. If that I the really used to call words like that weasel word. So is that, is, that the, is that the same thing as saying, oh, well, it's pretty good? No. Is, is that, that's not a weasel word? I'm swirling out of this. Don't ask me again. <laughs> okay, so have what you, Have you been, have you been, uh, helped, have you been, um, have you been a helper in the delivery of children? Only twice. Would you believe that? Critical care. I wasn't maternity. So, huh? You know, I, I did emergency room and ICU and medical surgical. You know, all, all the all the people who bled. But um, no, I didn't. I didn't. Mm -hmm. Well, not really. Oh, uh, see how that? See how silly that sounds? Not really. I didn't really. Do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we pick on Dan all the time. All the time. Well, Dan, do you have a subject for us? Do you have an answer to the question? When Walden says, Dave wanted you on the show, and I said, sure, he was talking about himself, not me, and I think that's giving me away. What do you think? Well, you know, you, you, I, I look at this, you're, you're doing PR. You're doing PR for the nighttime show on, uh, on his morning show. Oh, Walden, I'm doomed. I think Dan. I think Dan did a a, a, a very sophisticated two-step there, my dear. I, <laughs> he weaseled, but he didn't use weasel words. That is correct. I want to know what else is on the weasel word dictionary list, Patricia. What else is on the weasel word dictionary list that you have? Oh, um, when people say things like, especially uh, police officers mm -hmm. and in that group. Mm -hmm. And I used to do classes for them for a long time. And and they'd say he was apparently dead. <laughs> that's, not, you know, that's, that's not really quite the way to put it. So apparently becomes a weasel word. Mm. Because if somebody comes back and says, you know, this guy wasn't dead. He said, well, I said apparently. Mm. <laughs> so those are the weasel words. Um, and I'm not a, more, I'm a or, doctor. Yeah, more or less. Hmm? 
you're, I, you know, the person could say, I'm not a doctor. That's why I say I apparently did. Yeah, well, if he's not a doctor, he shouldn't have even taken that on. Well, he was, I mean... He was first at the scene of an accident, and he yes. said he was apparently dead. Well. Yes. Okay. Yeah, those possibly, kind of possibly dead. Yes. Yeah, more, Poss- yeah probably dead. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and the phrase, more or less, mm-hmm. it was more or less an unusual situation. What? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Yes, there are lots of weasel words out there. Hmm. Well, what you'll have to do after you go on Dave's morning show is then on the on the Walton Patricia Open House extravaganza, you'll have to ask if anyone heard me on Dave's show, please call in. And you want to measure how many people call in, and that way you can then write that and use that figure as proof of your uh, the need of you going out and uh, doing PR spots. It's called I, a measurement. I think we can use that to renegotiate a contract with Bill Black. I think you can do. Yeah. Add another zero zero. <laughs> <laughs> zero zero zero. Zero 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 zero. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Well, Dan, I, yeah. I just love it when you call in. You've got all sorts of information for us, and I hope you weather whatever gets thrown at you this week. I have one more question before he goes. Oh, boy. How did you, I, you know, you know, you know how many times I've heard that? Yes, I know. Do you know how many more, one more question? I know, I know. Patricia, Civilians. Patri- Patricia and I have a, a thing called curiosity. Yes. Well, what's the old theory? Curiosity killed a cat? Now Patricia not mm-hmm. talk to me with that. But anyway, did you do anything to celebrate St. Patrick's Day yesterday, Dan? Uh, I worked. That was your celebration. That's pretty good. And you had cookies. Yeah. And, you had and cookies. I had cookies. Okay. I had I had I had free uh, gift uh, shamrock cookies. Oh. Right. And they were really good. Oh right. So I. They taste like grass. Yes, and I didn't have anything uh, green on, so I went to Sears and bought a nice green sweater on discount for four dollars and ninety nine cents. Woo! Wow! Woo. You did get a bargain. Unless it falls apart before you finish putting it on. <laughs> no, no, it, it was a good sweater. Oh, good. Yes. I, I love bargains. I love it when people tell me they have bargains. <laughs> yes. This yes. is good. But no one was going to pinch me for not That's having right. you know, That's right. No way. No way. That's right. Okay, right. go forth and do whatever you're supposed to do at this hour of the night, and I think sleep might be appropriate. It's that or laundry, one or the other. I'm not sure. Can't, oh, good grief. Can't you do both? Laundry, you can do anything. <laughs> can't you do both? I mean, go put the laundry in and go to bed? I mean, that sounds like a way to do it. Uh, that could be done, but then you get your clothes all wrinkly. Okay. So it's either, either do laundry tonight or do laundry first thing in the morning. You have the You have the laundry in the house or out in the garage? I have the laundry in the house. It's all stacked up there. I've already gone through the pockets to check and make sure I have nothing in the clothes. So I just have to go put them in and start the washer and then put them in the dryer. And then once the dryer's done, it will take probably 90 minutes to do the laundry. 
have, okay. have you I ever, vote for laundry. Have you ever ironed? <laughs> you you ever do any more I, I, ironing? I can anymore? listen. Hmm? I can listen to the the intriguing calls that you get Nitro. when I hang up. Eclectic. Yes, eclectic and intriguing That's calls. Right. And now that we know the phone is working. That's true. Thank you, Dan, for testing it out. So, right. Okay, I vote for the laundry tonight and drying tomorrow. No, 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 no. you got to do it all in one swoop. You don't want wet clothes setting overnight. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to do my laundry or not. Patricia. Yeah, when they come out of the washer. Okay, Patricia. Put them in the dryer and the wrinkles appear. Okay, so Patricia. Most of them. Yes, Walton. You do laundry in separate stages over several days? Yes. Okay. So you're you, you, you like to spread it out. Well, yeah. And and that that and that likes to do it all in one swoof. Okay. Uh, you were asking about ironing. I mean, I have ironed in the past, but usually if you take warm clothes out of the dryer you, and hang them up, you know, pronto, they usually, uh, you know, you, you get wrinkle-free clothes these days, and, you know, usually you don't have to iron. Dan, go do pronto. Yes, that's right. And then report back. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I like ironing, but, uh, you know. It's one of my favorite baseball injuries of all time. Yeah. A, ba a, a baseball player who, I think it was a pitcher, went on the disable, disable list because uh, he injured himself by ironing. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> what, did, he, did he drop the iron? No. There's a better <laughs> one. He was in a hurry. Yeah. So he decided to iron the shirt that he was wearing. Oh, no, oh, I've heard people yes. do this before. Oh, yes. And we trust these guys with baseball bats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really now. So, okay, report back in later on your progress. Yeah, see how we did after 90 minutes. Okay, all right, well, I'll try. All right, Dan. If you all don't, don't put me to sleep now, you know, you're guilty of that. Yeah, it's true. We I have done know. that. I, I tell you, we are getting a bad rap here. <laughs> we are. We are. Okay, well, go forth and let us put you to sleep, and then do your laundry, and then call in. You can call, you can call us while you're doing your laundry four hours from now. Yes, that's right. All right, well, that's what I'll do. All right, All right. Have, a, have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We do have different phases on, of the Saturday night group. We have the OU... Sweepers Society, who like Dan, who early wake and they sweep during the middle of the show. We have people come in the middle of the show. And we have the people who sweep during the show and wake up and hear us. So whatever category you fit, 714-545-2071. And Bubbles, if you're listening, I know you didn't, we didn't talk to you last week. So, you know, yeah, last, week was, last week was National Bubble Day, so call in to make up. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Hello. Hello. Ah, Who I heard it? a Hi. I heard a hang up. Seven one four. Maybe somebody's trying to get a pizza order in. Seven one four five four five two oh seven one. Okay. Let's see if this will work. Hello, you're on with Patricia. 
Good evening. Good evening. That you, Chad? Yes, it is. How's everything in the great state of Nebraska? Everything is fine, and I hear it. You hear what? I think he disappeared. Uh-oh. We'll see if Chad comes back. Maybe he's on he's the mountain. He's in the tree or on the mountain top. Oh, poor Chad. Call back. So we'll be seeing Chad in five weeks at, at reps. So right. 714-545-2071. And uh, reps. I can't believe it's only five weeks unless the whole year has gone. I know. It's going to be Christmas in July before you know it. Chad, do we have you, do we have you now? Yes, uh, and I hear an echo. Well, hopefully it'll go That's away. Okay, just hang in there. Hopefully it'll okay. go away. If not, I can always get I can always get your cell phone number and call you. So whatever that might if that will help you, that might work too. Um, I think it would probably be dangerous you having my cell phone number. I do have it though. Oh. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm going to hang up now and go buy another cell phone. That's true, because I do have because when you came up the reps, I had to make sure you got picked up at the airport last year. That's true. You know? I don't want you stranded out there 20 minutes away from the hotel. Has he been a faithful cell phone number holder? I haven't talked to Chad on his cell phone, so I think I've been pretty faithful. Oh, no, I'm, I meant... Honorable would be a better word. Honorable, and he did not share your cell phone number. I did. No? I did with the I did with the person who was picking him up. Oh well, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, we want to make sure Chad gets picked up. Well, other than that, he only he only passed it on to Washington and Wisconsin. I know, I know. I I had a I had I had a girl pick him up too, Patricia. You had a girl. I had a girl that picked him up. Was she nice? She was very nice. Pat, Pat's a very nice person. So Pat picked her up, picked him up. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did they show up at a reasonable hour? Chad didn't come in at a reasonable hour. He came in the first thing in the morning. Well, it was a reasonable hour. I think it was like 8.30. <laughs> in the morning? Yeah. That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. but not, not for Patricia. Patricia had to get up early in the morning. That's not reasonable for our Patricia. Oh well, see. <laughs> <laughs> see. I wouldn't be asking you I to pick. Have to hold down the other end. That's true. I wouldn't ask you to pick up anybody in the morning because you would not be awake. Um, I have to be up and ready before ten o'clock on Tuesday. Because you have a doctor appointment. Well, just as good. Okay. Isn't Tuesday the first day of spring? It's supposed to be. So she wants to be ready for spring, right? She, yes. She's going, to, she's going for the spring snowfall in Florida. What? Okay, that didn't make any so sense. Confused. I know. My Sha- week has been so confused. So, Chad, are you in the hills of Nebraska or in the, in the tree treehouse of Nebraska? I am in the beautiful, wide-open spaces and hills of Nebraska, yes. Oh... The stars are out. The uh, um, the, the frogs in the ponds are croaking. Okay. The, the 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 crickets are chirping, and the uh, those two. The cows are over the moon. Um, no, the moon's not out yet. 
how big of a piece of property do you family have? You 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 have one of these bonus estates of two acres or something? Well, I'm not sure exactly because some of my brothers are buying some from my parents, uh-huh. and my parents have some, so I'm not sure who has what. But uh, <laughs> a fair parcel. Okay. You guys growing anything on the property? Uh, growing anything? Uh-huh. Well, yes. Grass. Grass. Sheep, um, cattle. <laughs> sheep. Critters. Have you have you na- have you ever named the the cows? We used to have one when I was growing up that had a name, but only one. Um, since then, no, not really. So you just say, hey, you, and that's how you guys handle it today? Well... Cattle are not necessarily good at following directions, so I don't usually talk to them. You have a cattle story for us. Um, not that I can think of right offhand. Okay. Except that when they get out and you have to get them back in, and it can always be entertaining at times. Nobody's ever stomped on you, right? Uh, No. That's good. I don't think so. That's good. <laughs> Took a while. <laughs> well, um, when I would occasionally, I milk my the cow my my brother has is a Jersey, so sometimes I milk her, and she doesn't always like to be milked, so she kind of runs around the pen a little bit, pushes you around. But you got to take. Well, like you can't say you take the bull by the horns because she's not a bull, but you. <laughs> Got to show her who's boss. Are your hands cold? Um, yes, I've I've uh, milked her in the winter time, and yes, it gets a little cold. So do you do you do you put up more fuss when it's cold? Um, if it's particularly cold and she feels good, but if it's warm, she's more sluggish. So probably yes. So you you do you milk? It's surprising that that she doesn't want to be milked. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure if it's so much a that. A couple of hours <laughs> later. <laughs> you you milk her the old-fashioned way, or you you, you guys you do it mo- yep. by the modern technique? Yeah, he just has two cows, and so you just do it by hand. It doesn't take too terrible long once you get the hang of it. Well, considering you have, well, I guess not. Considering that you have. Good hands to play. Do you play the piano. Is it good exercise for your hand, or is it? I'm not. Would be, or if it, it would be detrimental. I'm not sure. <laughs> Somebody would have to do a study on that, but I'm not going to. Maybe we can have Patricia to write a grant to the U.S. government asking should piano players milk cows or not. <laughs> well, not all the movements. With any kind of um, from the government this week. <laughs> Not all the movements that you use for playing the piano are are uh, used when you're milking, so I'm not sure. Well, you got to make sure you have a thumb thumb, right, to milk a cow, and you don't generally play with your thumbs on the piano, so I guess you're right. Well, yes, you do. You do? Yeah? Haven't you ever played the piano? I've never, really, no, I never took piano. I, I played the guitar. I took, you know, every I, piano player uses their thumbs quite frequently. Really? I never if, knew you, that. if they're there and they're close, you may as well use them, right? <laughs> yeah, it makes sense to me. Now, can I took guitar? I a lot of keys. You don't waste a thumb. 
I, Don't you I, use the thumb on guitar? To hold it. I, I, you know. oh, I mean, to strum. Yes. No, not to strum. I, 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 always, I was a pick. I was a pick person. So I would use... Well, some people, they use the fingers and the thumb for picking. That's true. Uh, can, uh, can, that's what they call fretting in banjo. Because I never took the banjo. Did you ever play the banjo, Chad? No. What instrument out of your repertoire, Chad? How many different instruments can you play? Piano, organ, somewhat I can play the accordion, violin, a penny whistle, and the saw. Oh, and the cello. That's seven. What's a penny whistle? It's just a little uh, metal whistle, Irish whistle. It's fairly simple. So is it a cousin of the piccolo? Mm, well, it's a wind instrument. Okay. It's not exactly the same. The, uh, the penny whistle is only a major scale, whereas the piccolo is chromatic. Did you take classical music lessons or, or uh, classes when you were growing up? How did you learn so much about music? Was it always l learn self-learned? Yeah, I took piano lessons from a teacher who taught me classical, and so I picked up a lot of the terms, and you're supposed to learn a lot of them, and there's still some that I'm not very familiar with. Uh -huh. And the other instruments you learn by your, on your own, basically? Well, I took a couple years of violin lessons, but all the other instruments I learned on my own pretty much. Mm. Except for, I think I had ten lessons on the pipe organ. Ten free easy lessons, and you got to buy a pipe. Last two, last well, they weren't free. <laughs> last week, you, you can relate to this, Chad. Um, no, two weeks ago at the uh, our church organ, they, uh, they got a donation. They bought a $100,000 organ. About... How about, how can I relate to that? Well, I'll tell you how you can relate to that. About seven years ago. <laughs> He's going to tell you. <laughs> okay. Okay. They were, uh, two Sundays ago, uh, they were had a wedding, and the, uh, while the, pan the organist were playing, smoke started to come out. So the, the, the organ started caught, I guess, inside a electrical fire. So they had a, they didn't play the rest of the day. They haven't played it in several weeks. So I guess they're looking for... New what equipment. was it? Was it the blower motor? It might have been. I don't know if they know completely, which I haven't heard. But I'm glad he didn't decide to keep playing our $100,000 organ and really burn the whole place down, you know. I mean, but... You said they bought it seven years ago and it was 100000 Yeah. That seems a little on the cheap end. <laughs> you see some of the pipe organs in some of these churches, and they must be millions. Yeah. Yeah, the I, I spent a whole bunch of time at an organ website one time and the I mean I just couldn't stop looking at the pictures. They were incredible. They the are number of stops governed of course the size of the organ and that governs the price of the organ. So I don't know how little you would have to get to that price, but that's what they said. It really I Now it's not it's not necessarily the stop. They count them by ranks, which is a, a kind of pipe. A rank of pipes is um, 64 pipes or so, 
sometimes more. Mm-hmm. And some sometimes keyboards share the same rank of pipes, and they have two or three stops for the same rank of pipes. It gets complicated, but that's how they count them. Okay, well, I have to go back and play with play with the website again. It was really spectacular. Wow. It was interesting. For my birthday. It was interesting when the church got the organ. For the first month or so, it sounded like it had an electronic sound to it. And then, oh. then after a month or so, they must have done enough fine-tuning that it didn't sound like it had that electronic sound to it. You know, it sounded like more like a traditional organ, how I grew up mm-hmm. listening to it. So I imagine it, you can fine-tune these modern organs and ma- make it sound more like a traditional sound to it, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, if it's out of tune, it might have made it sound unusual because over the centuries, there's have been different ways of tuning a major scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the tunings they had three or four hundred years ago sound really strange to our modern ears because we're used to the tuning that we use now. Mm. You you know how to tune a, a piano and an organ, or do you have somebody else do that? I know how to tune a piano, but I'm not very good at it. What do you have to do? What what makes you what makes a good piano tuner worth a weight in gold? Uh, I don't know. I would probably say experience. Okay. Because the more you do it, the better your ear at is at uh, tuning everything, and the quicker you could do it. You have to be patient, I guess, too, right? About it. Um, probably to at least learn it. Yes. Yeah. I tried to do it on my own piano, and it took quite a while, and I wasn't really happy with the results that I did. Uh huh. How how often do you think a piano should be tuned? Well, they say about every five or six months, I think, or less. Sometimes they want you to do it mostly if the weather changes. Mm -hmm. So you can afford it. Go ahead. Going from winter to spring, what would that do to a piano? It depends on how, how well you keep the temperature and humidity in the house. If it's pretty steady, it should be fairly okay, but things can happen, and big temperature drops or rises can really knock it out of tune. Hmm. Most of the nursing homes you play that, Chad, do they have their own piano, or you st- are you bringing your own keyboard nowadays? Do, I wonder if it's getting harder and harder to, to find places that have their own piano you know, available. So far, all the places I've been have had their own piano. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's an old upright piano, which is somebody... Donated a long time ago, and it's in pretty poor condition. Sometimes it's an electronic keyboard if it's a newer facility. But I, so far, I haven't had to bring my own. So before, I think that's smart. so before, so before you, so you bring your own rather than te- just showing up and just assuming there's things in tune. Well, no, I just do it on their piano. Mm-hmm. Can you play when the piano is battery in tune, or would that just drive you nuts? Well, I can do it. It drives me nuts <laughs> sometimes. Um, 
and I'm not sure how much the people can tell sometimes, uh-huh. but they always appreciate it. So you just fake it through, or you just wear earplugs? Well, I don't wear earplugs, but I did play on one piano once that had not been played for a long time, mm-hmm. and, and it was in poor condition, and I didn't have a chance to go ahead a time and uh, test it. Mm-hmm. And I found out it was pretty out of tune in spots, and some of the keys didn't work in spots, so I tried <laughs> to avoid them if I could, uh-huh. which was kind of interesting. <laughs> And I had a thought to weigh in on Patricia's question. Perfect. Oh, I wasn't going to let you go without asking it. Perfect, Chad. Go ahead. Okay. Would you ask the question again? Please do, Patricia. What is your opinion of Walden's great giveaway? (laughs) Well, that wasn't the way you asked it at the beginning of the show. Mm, Are you in favor of Walden's action because he knew that Dave would ask me? Or are you not in favor because nobody asked me? Well, that's not the question you asked earlier. What did I ask earlier, Walden? I was in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, my best work is in the kitchen. <laughs> if Walden in the, if Walden in the doghouse with the family. That was a little close yeah, to what it was. It's, How do you? It was re- something to do. Yeah, go ahead. Yes? Go ahead, Chad. How do you remember? I don't remember it now. <laughs> I think how she phrased it. Well, well, see, I was invited. Well, no, let me say that differently. Dave Kane, who is our friend up in Rhode Island, and we do a show with him occasionally, um, had said to Walden, well, I'll take her when she's not here or when you're not here. <laughs> And I thought, okay, <laughs> she's going to take me. And Walden said, oh, I'll tell you which day you can have her. And they did it all before they asked me. And she was there listening to us, wasn't she? And she, okay. didn't, she didn't say, she remember the question she now. And saying, I am chattel. <laughs> <laughs> I am being sold to the highest bidder. Okay, what? What do you think? I remember what you asked earlier. Okay. You said, how should I feel about Walden giving me away? There you go. There you go. So my answer is to that question. Yes. And my answer is... Yes. The fact that you're even asking, that kind of gives out the answer. Mm. The fact that you're asking how you should feel kind of says how you feel. Yeah. How do you feel? So, you, you think she put out with me, Chad? Is that what you're saying? Say that again? You think she put out with me? Am I in the Patricia doghouse? Maybe a smidgen. Okay. But I think she's more having fun. Oh, I think you're right, too. But I think I think she loves... She loves to play... Yeah. She loves to play the... The female card that I'm not going to forgive you until I'm ready to forgive you kind of thing, you know. And so yeah, until the chocolates come. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just kind of a smidgen that it might have been a smidgen out of step, huh? 
Yes, that's yeah. what he's saying. Now, is saying a smidgen, is that another one of those weasel words? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm really serious. <laughs> smidgen is not a weasel word. Smidgen means a little bit. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be. You're not gonna come out of this one, Walter. No, I, I mean definitely in the doghouse. I'm I. Oh, I don't think so. I'm gonna have to really pony up for birthdays this year. Let's we'll see here. Instead of instead uh, of one bar of chocolate-free sugar, sugar-free whatever, I guess I come up with two or something this year. I have to really step it up. Maybe you could get some caramel Tootsie Rolls. That's good. I wonder, if I, can, I wonder if I can find some sugar-free caramel Tootsie Rolls. There are none. They don't make them. Well, find some chocolate Tootsie Rolls then. Yeah, yeah sugar-free. They don't, I don't think they make sugar-free anything. I don't remember seeing it on the site, but I will have it. Uh, I'll have to try to contact them again. I did one time. I really did. I believe you. And they didn't reply, which I thought was kind of not nice. So, Chad, I'm going to see you in five weeks. So, are you flying in on Friday or the day before? Any idea how I should prepare your, your schedule? Um, it'll be the same schedule as last year. Okay. So, I'll be flying in that early Friday morning. Okay, so I will put you in an early morning show. You want me to keep your Friday schedule somewhat light? Because um, I know by Friday afternoon you were tired. I was? You were tired by Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah, I think because I, I was awake the whole day yeah. and then I drove during the night and yeah. left early in the morning. Are you going to do, um, do, do it the same way again? Are you going, Are you flying out of Kansas City or something like yes, that? Yes, I will, yeah. Okay. Um. As long as you don't have anything in the morning, I think uh, I, I, I should be fine. I will. I will make sure you have. I will make sure you have your morning free then. Okay. You know. Now, do you have a list of all the shows you want me to play for I, yet? I, or I, 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 I will. T- I will tomorrow. But I've okay. already sent you. We're gonna do the radio version of Dennis the Menace TV show. Yes. And I sent that to you. I think today. Yes. So that definitely, I would like you to play. Um, okay. let me look at the schedule at night. Um, let's see here. Uh, I, I think we're going to have you play the adaptation of the film Mighty Joe Young, the one that Terry Moore starred in. We're going to, Hager is finishing up a edit job. We're converting the film into an audio drama, so we're going to have you um, we'll drop box you the audio tracks of the film Mighty Joe Young, the, okay. the edited audio version. So that would be another project. So then you're not doing it in a Lux Radio Theater format. Because it was never done. It was never done on radio. So I have a clean slate. Yeah, yeah. So oh, good. Yeah, so this is, those are easy. Okay. So I, you know, I don't know if you want to have Brian send you the video to watch it, or just send you how he's editing the audio track. Uh, Audio's fine. Okay. So that's, that's definitely another one. Um, let's see. There's no. We're going to do an, a lights out, so there's no music with that. Uh, I don't know if Greg's going to do any music with his, um, my friend Irma or Mr. Brandy's Bill's Dream House. I think he'll use you if he's got any music for that. 
So those are, those are what I think that you'll do. I'll have Randy and Chris do uh, Little Woman and some of the other stuff during the day. And what we're doing this year, Saturday night, they're bringing a many musicians. They're going to try to create an orchestra this year for the Saturday night program. So that's going to be interesting. Be yeah, that will be interesting to see how they pull that off. Um, so so I'll I'll break it up with you and Randy to decide who's doing what. But I would say, count on the mighty Joe Young will be another thing you'll do on Friday. So you'll do, so and Dennis will be Saturday. So you'll probably have one or two more else to do. Okay. I will keep you posted over the next day or so. All right. Sounds good. All right. So anything else before you go back inside? Don't freeze. Happy St. Patrick's Day. You too. And uh, Miss Patricia, make sure you get enough rest tonight. She better. You'll need it. Yes, you will. Especially if you uh, spend the night with Walden like this. (laughs) All the trouble he gets you into. Oh, well, let me know if you, if you want the free sleeping room or not, Chad. Just give me an email if you want, if you want, if you want, if you want to do that. Okay. So, you just let me know. Okay, see you later. All right, bye, Chad. Okay, bye. Bye. 714-545-2071 is our number. Patricia, are you awake? Are we really here? Yeah, we are. Honest? We are. I've been working on Chad's music schedule for reps. I know. I was listening. I know. I couldn't answer you. You were on mute? You know why? You were on mute? I was on mute and didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, then this has been a weird week. <laughs> really weird week. Oh. oh, well, I keep everybody happy. You do. We have a magician show, and I can't remember the, the first name. Um, it's The Magician. Mm-hmm. It begins with an M. Mortimer the... Uh, no. Uh, no, and it wasn't Mandrake, the magician. It is, and his son. Oh, Harry. Oh, Harry. Black, the, uh, bo- Black, Blackstone. Blackstone, uh-huh. Harry Blackstone. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we've got a magician there. And he did some pretty good stuff. He do. I always thought it was interesting that the... The the magic show were it was like a fifteen minute serial, and then in every fifteen every every broadcast the they gave you how to do a magic trick on the end of every radio yes. broadcast. Yes, 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 yes. And he solved a mystery, and mm-hmm. then he did his magic, and uh, it included. You're right. He gave away a secret every week, and his son. Became a magician. Blackstone, yep. The fa- uh-huh. Blackstone Jr. I don't know if he was a junior, but indeed, he took over when his father retired. When we first moved into this house, this was my grandmother's house that we live in now. We moved in mm-hmm. in 1982. So I remember the very first night we moved over here, Harry Blackstone, the son, was on Larry King's radio show, and I listened to that uh, in this room. Uh, uh. So... How great. Yep. Oh, great. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Are we, is anybody out there healthy enough to call? 
If not, we do have a, uh, literally last night, gave me some, we played a lot of St. Patrick's shows, but one that we didn't get to last night, we could play today, is a Fibber McGee and Molly St. Patrick's Day show from 1948. So, Ooh. so we could play. Do I, remember? I don't know. What, what was the plot on that? I don't know. 1948. So, so. We're really in their sophisticated time. Uh-huh. So we do, we do have that one available to us if we want to play a magic show. I mean, a St. Patrick's Day show from Fibber McGee and Molly. Saved by the oh. bell. All right. Oh, or something. <laughs> yeah. Hello there. You're with Patricia. Did I hear you say Fibber McGee and Molly and St. Patrick? I know. What a parlay. Oh, my <laughs> God. I can't wait. Of course, we all, we all know wait. that Fibber and Molly weren't really Irish, were, were they? They were something else. Uh, your your mic's a little loud in my earphones. Okay, my... well, you know. I'll, I'll... You. No, I'm trying to understand what you said. You, you know, I was, say, I was teasing, we know, that Fibber, McGee, and Molly weren't really Irish. No. <laughs> no, of course not, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, the Pope, and the Pope isn't isn't a Catholic either. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I'm uh, so confused. <laughs> Are you calling in to to comment on the great giveaway? Yes. Are you gonna call? Are you gonna uh, have an input on the on Patricia's question of the night? I I just tuned in. I just got in. All right. So you you need to answer the question. You need to answer Patricia's question of the night. She's surveying the family. I'm in the doghouse. So go ahead, Patricia. Oh no, you're not. Not yet. We're working. On it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Walden said. Uh, or you said one time that when you're away, Patricia can come out and play, and otherwise she gets, what do I get? The withdrawals. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. And and Walden said, well, I won't be here on the 22nd of April. You can have her. You asked for me, and he gave me to you. Nobody asked me. <laughs> well, I thought it was a Lynn Lease thing. I didn't realize <laughs> I knew I had to give you back, you know. Yeah, well, okay, all right. I wasn't chattel. No, 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 no. Forever. Not at all, not at all. No, no, no. We we, we honor you too severely to call you chattel. Oh, my goodness. This has been a dreadful week for me. <laughs> um, I'm picking on nippy questions. Oh, so anything new and exciting, Dave? How's the weather back there? What's going on with you? Actually, it's been pretty nice. It was nice the last couple of days. It's been quite nice. It's in the 40s today. And, uh, and then, of course, Monday is the first day of spring. So uh-huh. we're excited about that. So that What's going to happen? Snow. <laughs> well, maybe. Listen, hey, it's New England. What do you expect? People that complain about this drive me crazy. You know they say about New England weather. Wait a minute, it'll change. Sure. Down here too. We went from eighty to sixty-one, and I know people laugh, but now that I've been in Florida for a long time, I understand why. When I visited in spring times, people were walking around with coats and hats and stuff like that there. And I'm walking around in shorts. I'm thinking it's gorgeous. But now I understand. Yeah, I didn't mind you walking around in shorts. I think you should have put a top on. But <laughs> other than that, 
It was nice. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> oh, that was a good one, and you missed it. I heard it. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Oh, well, it'll, it'll fit our recent conversation. Now, now, last night, Walden, you guys had some trouble last night. Did you mm-hmm. get it straightened out? Yeah, what it is, um, Skype is doing force updates. Uh, and Larry's been trying to keep an older version. He called me this, uh, this evening that that's what happened because uh, Larry's been trying to keep an older version because it sounds uh-huh. better. And I think that was the glitch. So, so once Larry... Uh, Figure that out in. tonight. Once he gave in. Yes. It, yeah. Microsoft. That uncle. Microsoft yeah. can do that to everybody. So. Okay, mm. they did that. You're telling me that that Skype will just automatically mess with what you've got. Yeah. They won't allow you to stay. They did they not have to push you up. Yeah. It's like last last year, I was trying to not install Windows 10, and then one day, Windows 10 pretty much showed up on my computer. Microsoft forced it on you nowadays. They are, um... Oh, yeah, I know that. And so I'm thinking now, I think Skype is owned, uh, Microsoft or being one of them company, or owning Skype, so they're, they're forcing upgrades to everybody. So... Well, them the berries, that they say. Oh, jeez. Yeah? What's your tongue? <laughs> <laughs> Them's the berry. Wow. Can't believe he's in that mixed company. Well, you know, what my Uncle Jim taught me, you know, everybody knew he was on, uh, that he had that little little routine with a with a yardstick, and them the berries were part of the comedy mm-hmm. routine. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so. And, and one of the really early expressions, I have a whole list of expressions that I found some reasons for, mm-hmm. you know, to make them make some sense when they're so stupid. And I never thought of, isn't that the berries? You know, something in, I don't know, maybe flapper days, mm-hmm. where they would say, that's the berries, meaning it is hot stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that come into play with what you're talking about? I think so. Well, you're the berries, Walden. Thank you, my dear. So, Dave, Very did well. did you ever play in some old vaudeville houses, or did, are there still any left from the 30s or 20s? I beg your, I beg your pardon. How the hell old do you think I am? <laughs> I was not a party to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are, there any still, are there any still left from the 20s and oh, 30s? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Actually, I have performed in some very old theaters that have been renovated, and they all tell me that they believe that there are ghosts or spirits uh-huh. there. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, yep. you don't believe Very, it? Yep. What? You, do you believe it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, of course. Oh, good. I mean, I was getting a little panicked here. We didn't tell everybody. This is Dave in Rhode Island. I mentioned you earlier, and I mentioned it in concert with Walden's great giveaway. <laughs> Oh, I see. That's the great giveaway. Okay, all right, good. So, so have you done any? Have you done any more book signings since the time when you, you have you were sitting with the neck all the nooks? Have you done anything since then? <laughs> have, I, have I done anything? Yeah, have you done any? Had you done any more book signing until the day oh. you called Patricia about saying with all the, the nooks devices? Oh yeah, no, no. We I, we I haven't done one since I was 
sitting next to her nook. No, I wasn't. Um, and uh, I haven't done one, but I'm, I'm, I'm planning to. I'm going to demand that they seat me right next to the nook. I certainly hope so. You should, take yeah. a, you should definitely take a picture of that and send it to Patricia. And none of this is going to make any sense to anybody else who hasn't heard the show. So, But, <laughs> but um, you know, it's nice every once in a while to have something we can bust about, you know, mm-hmm. something we can get on and have some fun with. Nice. Oh, my gosh. So you got anything else going for the week? Or are, you, are you winding? Is it? Pretty much full speed ahead in terms of all your engagement, or is it? Uh, well, I've got yeah, we've got uh, well, we've got I've got shows coming up, but I have uh, we have a fundraiser next a week from tomorrow. We have a fundraiser for Nikki O Foundation, my son's organization. Foundation. We have a foundation called Nikki O, mm-hmm. and what we do is we help young people who want to uh, develop their musical or or theatrical talent, and uh, we sometimes pay for lessons or uh, buy a guitar or give them get them lessons to on stage work and that kind of thing you know try to help them out so, uh, so how do you do develop their talent yeah how do you find the kids and do, is it like a recital or how, how do you how, no we, we just put the put the PR out and then people usually call us and you know uh, we have several social workers who are on our board with other organizations, you know, with other social work organizations, mm-hmm. and they'll come to us and say, I have a client whose daughter, you know, would like to... What the hell is that? Can you hear that? Yep, I do. Yeah. You Are you cooking... You can do it. Are you frying bacon? Not me. Homeland Security? They ship the well, FBI. They wouldn't need that. They would just have to tune in. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's okay. I don't know. It's not my fault. It's not. Yeah, I, I don't think it's my end. The telephone company, the telephone company are coming here Wednesday. They look at all our phone lines anyway, so it, mm-hmm. it's probably time. Well, they're time to upgrade. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so what, yeah. what kind of fun? With the foundation. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patricia. With the foundation, are you? Do you screen the applicants? Well, we, uh, I started to say that the social workers many times are already familiar with the kids. Uh, and uh-huh. so we, you know, we do a couple of um, wheeling and dealing things. Like, for instance, we, we got some um, guitar lessons for a young boy for a while and to see, you know, how he did, if he was liked it or stuck with it or, you know, was, was working. And, and he worked out really well, so we gave him some more and, and we got him a guitar, things like that to start with. You know, we just give them a chance to try it out. Yeah. But you, are you telling me then that no one is turned down? Not if we can't help it. If we have the bucks, we do, we do what we can. There's no great um, prerequisite of any kind. You know, we just want no auditions. think they could like do it. You know, I mean, Nicky said to his mother one day, um, you know, Mom, he saw a guitar in a window, and he said, you know, I think I could probably play that. I think I would like playing that. And so we got him a guitar, some more guitar, and we got him some lessons. And we said to him, you gotta, you have to practice and you have to do, you know, due diligence on this. And, of course, he promised he would. And then he took a total of four lessons. <laughs> and then he proceeded to write over 50 songs. <laughs> so so you don't know what, what what's going on with kids. you got to give them the chance yeah. to try it, see what 
where it goes. Do you, do you sponsor I just a kid? Realized how stupid my question was because they couldn't audition; they're looking to learn. But if they're, if they're right. ki- if they're kids that already knew how to play, but have need money to for, to continue p- their music lessons. Yeah, well, yeah. We sent we sent a, a kid a couple of years ago. We sent a kid to a performance camp where they were, we were go for the summer, and they were you know summer, and they went for a few weeks in the summer, and they developed their talents at this performance camp that somebody found. And so we sponsored a kid to go there. You know, it's very it's very relaxed. It's very loose. It's not a big formal thing. You know, we try to keep it low-key well, and just uh, give the kids a chance. I know your other son, what, is opera his background. So did you have, yeah. did you or your yeah. wife have a musical background? That Me? Is, yeah. Oh, no. No, no, I, I don't. My, my father was an Irish... Uh, he was a singer. Uh-huh. He was a performer. My dad, but right. I, I'm not. You really couldn't call me. You know, I I do some song. I do a song in Misgivings. I I do a couple of things, but not. No, no, no. Uh, the um, the talented, the musical one in in this family is uh, Billy, who's the with the San Francisco Opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and uh, David does some stuff, but not not a lot. And of course, Nick. Nick was the guy. It was really he had it all. He played all. He played all kinds of instruments. He's very talented. Mm. Yeah. So you found that the opera did he start out very young? The opera background. Um, actually, he uh, it was really weird. He um, he yeah he was young. He had this is so interesting to me. Uh, he was learning disabled when he was very young. Uh, and it was acerbated by a very severe car accident he was in. Uh, and uh, for the longest time, he struggled, uh, you know, uh, academically. And then one day, he started with his dad, because it's my it's my wife's son. Right. Um, he started to, his dad was a, a pastoral musician, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, directed choirs and everything. And so right. he started singing with him. And then the next thing you know... <laughs> The kids of the San Francisco Opera singing in five languages. <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> Not too bad. Okay, let's face it. I mean, uh, that's a big deal. You you gotta know the languages if you're gonna sing opera. That's just that well, just... you well you you learn it phonetically, but I mean, the, just to be able to do that alone, and you have to know, especially if you have a solo, you have to know what you're singing. Because you got to know what emotion to put into it. So there's a lot of study and a lot of training in that, which is really amazing. And he's got a tremendous voice. But that's just the beginning. And then you've got to learn all this other stuff. And you've got to say it the right way. And it's got to be, you know, it's just amazing to watch to watch him perform. It really is. All right. I have a trivia question for both you two that happened today. <laughs> okay. Current events supreme. Yes. Okay. The the Metropolitan Opera did something today which it hasn't done in eighty years. What was it? Um, paid their light bill. <laughs> <laughs> has a strong, I think that's as good a guess as any. It has a strong connection to old time radio. Yeah, eighty years they have mm-hmm. Oh, they they went digital. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. They they put they performed the William Tell Overture today. Oh, that was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I know it was. I I get <laughs> I get the full opera. It's all. So you're saying what? <laughs> you know, I thought I thought I thought sure that uh, the Florida writer was going to jump right. I know. 
but I got the I got the Williams Hill Overture over three hours long, and that's what they did today. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my God! I and didn't realize who that he's holding known? the ball and the arrow. Yeah. That ball. Who would have known that the Lone Ranger is all we know is the first two or three minutes, and we don't know the rest yep. of the three-hour piece. That's exactly right. See that? Oh my God! Very well, much. that's that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. You know. Uh, Piece of trivia question that no, that at least I can say Dave did not have on his radio show this morning. That's exactly right. <laughs> Nor will I have it the next time I'm on the radio. <laughs> and so, Patricia, you are going to join us on April 22nd, right? She wants to know what time. Going to what to you? What time is she going to join um, you? you? She can come. She knows she can come in any time. She can come in right at nine or any time she wants. Okay, you you tell me. Last time you told me ten, and one of the times you told me nine. Well, well, if I yeah, well, if I have yet to have a guest on because of the phone thing, but but you're you're more than welcome to come. And since I don't think I have anybody get booked in right now, uh, I'll give you the option where you start, and then you can just stay with us for the guest too. Not a problem. Sure. Okay. So you pick the time. Yeah. Then I'll go if I have to go, if I have to be up at ten o'clock, why shouldn't I be up at nine? There you go. There you go. I'm a trooper. I know you are. I know you are. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you Very, you, you would not have more, Patricia do the morning shift on radio, would you, Dave? You be, you would have been a kind general manager. You would have allowed her to do overnight, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely, okay. sure. She could do anything she wanted. Okay. Okay. I can't decide what I hated more, old, overnight or or morning drive. What would, what would the pluses and minuses of both? Well, the, the trouble at night is that you your body clock is just not right, and you the tendency to fall asleep mm-hmm. is very real, you know, at least it was for me. Okay. Although it's the first time other people get woken by sudden sounds, I used to wake myself up by dead air. <laughs> in other words, I'd fall oh, somewhere in my head, I'd go, oh my God, I'm not hearing anything. Oh, it's because I'm not talking. <laughs> and, so that would, that would, you know. and then you get back on the air and you say, did you miss me? Yeah, right, exactly. You know, oh, I know, I used to say, I used to say, you know, you really got to get a better radio. That cheap Japanese thing you've got <laughs> keeps cutting out. <laughs> oh, it keeps cutting out. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Okay, what what was the show bad about morning drive? Well, that, that, that's the other the other end of that is it getting up. I mean, you're getting awake enough to. to I mean, I, I I'm a very I'm now I'm up early all the time. But when I was younger, I didn't because I used to party at night a little bit or or stay mm-hmm. not party so much but stay up late at night. So getting up was tough. Now I'm up. Very early in the morning, and it's nothing to it. But you know, you want to sound bright-eyed. You don't want to sound like you just fell out of bed. You know, so you need a little bit of time, and you got to drive in. You got to make sure you're awake enough to drive in. And uh, so that's tough to it. But both of them, it's getting the engine started. You know, keeping it up and running. That's really what the most important Famous part. in the morning. <clears throat> What's that? Famous in the morning. Do you remember him? Don Imus. He was in New York then. Oh, I'm, was, I'm I don't know. I don't know what to call him, but he would get a phone number from somebody, 
and ask who he was supposed to call. And he said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> He'd call the number, and his routine was, wake up. He would scream into the phone. And everybody on the drive thought that was the greatest thing. It would keep them awake on, on the throughways anyway. But yeah. that was Imus in the morning. That was his shtick. Oh, yeah, yeah, Imus. I'm very familiar with Imus. Yeah, he's on his way to retirement land, I think. Yeah, okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, he's gotten very unentertaining, un, un in my opinion. He's kind of yeah. phoning it in now, you know. When, when did Morning Drive got to be Comedy Central? In other words, why, why are Morning Show known to pull pranks and gags like that? I mean, or who was the first to sort of start that trend and have spread nationwide oh there was, i don't know there was a trend there was zoo radio the zoo radios for a while were doing that and mm-hmm. these stations took on this zoo format you know and they'd have three or four people on there and uh and they'd have the the anchor you know the main guy and then they'd have some female assistant or vice versa and then they'd have a, you know a couple of gophers and and uh they just try to do this outrageous stuff to get people to listen um I've never had to, I never had to do that. It was funny. I remember people saying to me, they would be listening when I was doing talk or special, and they'd say to me, you know, I got, I pulled into the Cumberland Farms to go get a bottle of milk, and I had to sit in my car and wait to find out what happened during this call because <laughs> they didn't want to miss it, <laughs> you know. And so that's always been good. But these Zoom formats for a while did that. And then that, that had its run, and then it dropped out. So I... And now they just have, I don't know what they have in the morning. They have these morning crews. They have 14 people in the studio when I used to do it by myself. So. Yeah, I, I was talking to our friend Dan Murphy, who runs KIXI up in Seattle, and he was saying in today's radio market, at least up in Seattle, they will take chances on people if they're interesting, and so they don't have a problem hiring 13, 14 people on a morning show or somebody has a, a, you know, a segment or part of it that's somewhat interesting. It's, it's, he, you know, he was saying in the old days you start small and then you work your way out, but that's not the case in Seattle. If they think that you got something, they'll, they'll take a shot on you right now. Yeah, and that's fine, except, you know, you've got to worry that these people are going to be able to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's really tough when you're developing something and you've got to write every day. You know, the thing, a lot of real, real talk radio personalities, I mean, genuine ones that didn't have to write it, they, they were who they were. Uh, that's gone now, a lot of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so much of it's put on. It's all put on and, and you know, you, you, you think, you make an, a conscious effort to do something outrageous rather than just being yourself. There's not too many Barry Farbers walking around anymore, probably. No, no that's very true. You know. Yeah. And there are a lot of people across the country who, great morning men, people just love them. Uh, we had a guy here named Salty Brine, and Salt, they have a beach now, they named the beach after him, and uh, he was a terrific, everybody knew him. Uh, it was when there was only a few radio stations here, you know, not like now there's 1,400 stations mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, and he was a, he was an icon. He was an icon. 
and but you know you don't have have that anyone. We have a radio hall of fame here in Rhode Island, and it used to so when it started it was it was it's a fundraiser. In other words, we have a dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, they they name four or five inductees, and people come and they have dinner, and then the inductees, you know, into the into the hall of fame. But the trouble is, when they started it, they had names like Salty Brian and several others you wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it was really cool, you right. know, to have it. Right. But then they ran out of icons, and now it's like, okay, whose turn is it to go in? <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'll nominate you this year, and then next year you nominate me. <laughs> you know? And, and there's absolutely no criteria for it at all. Uh, and, and and it's primarily a fundraiser, which I which is fine with me. So do they but ask it, the honoree to buy so many tables? Is that part of the fundraising? Well, vehicle? that's what they're hoping. They're hoping that, that you know, if they have this person on, mm-hmm. that he and his friends he will get his friends to buy tickets to come and sit around the table and you know celebrate his induction. Mm-hmm. And so they have five or six people. I can't remember now. And um, and they'll fill the room with everybody's relatives. <laughs> and they made money for the charity, which is great. And then everybody gets up. Somebody gets up and talks about them. And then they make a little speech, and they give them a little thing, and everybody goes home. But now they've the icons are already in, right? And the new, I mean, they have. It's been amazing. They've now they've decided, which isn't a bad idea. They've decided to go uh, not just on air personalities. They've opened another category, which is support staff. And so last year they they got the woman who was the bookkeeper <laughs> in in, the, in the, one of the radio stations, and she had been with them for years, and everybody knew her. And so she was inducted under the support staff category, or whatever it is that they call. Uh, so it was, it was, it's getting really silly. Do you have a radio association <laughs> in Rhode Island with that? You know, all the veterans get we together. Do. We do, but I have no idea what they do. I mean, I think there is one. It's interesting because you know, I'm part of the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, which is you know, you've been in broadcast for 20 years, or you're eligible. And yeah. they have a ballot, and they, they want to change the name of the organization because they're trying to attract younger people. And so what they're trying to do is get into the today podcast and modern platform they want yep. to call. They want to change the name of the organization. I think it sounds awful. To the Hollywood Multimedia Center Association, some crazy mm-hmm. name. You know, some crazy yeah. name that uh, you would. It you takes you half the show to say the name. You know, you're in trouble. And and, and so here you're throwing away a legacy that's been around for fifty years. That Ralph Edwards and Edgar Bergen and Jim Jordan were all the chambers of commerce of to something yep. like that. It just it just seems ludicrous even though to try to attract younger people. It, it just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. I think it'd be better to try to get them to get the younger people to appreciate who it is they're, they're being brought in to emulate and, and let them know a little bit about it rather than changing the name. Yeah, I would think so. And also I got thinking the radio industry out here has probably gotten so small and smaller because everything automation-wise or having live on-here hosts is probably getting to be smaller, so the number that they're drawing from is probably a smaller pool than it used to be. And it's just impact the 
these types of associations, I think. Mm. You know? Yeah, I, yeah, I, well, listen, well, I don't know about you all, I mean, I'm old, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm just sitting back and watching the whole world change, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to see, uh, listening to you guys last night and talking about your Skype, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, 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 uh, and I'm visiting my granddaughter mm-hmm. in California via FaceTime. Yep. I mean, it's a different world, yep. you know. And now anybody can be, first of all, every radio station, you know, well, there used to be, oh, a 5,000-watt radio station. Right? That's a good, you know, or 50,000-watt radio. And now every radio station has the potential to be international by being online. Well, I, I, I'm sitting there reading Radio World, and think of me, how many country, uh, stations in Europe are stop pulling the plug on their transmitters. I'm just going to start using the Internet. They're not, you know, why spend the money? They have a transmitter or anymore, and well, if you can, if you can, yeah, if you can sell it nationally, you know, regionally or whatever. Yeah, and that, not, and not only that, what's going to happen? Like they have now, they have Sirius Radio, but pretty soon, um, all radio stations. I mean, you're going to have Wi-Fi in your car. Yeah, and and every radio you can have any radio station you want. If you can punch in enough numbers, you can get them up. And but then you're cannibalizing the audience. And you have to be able to show that you've got enough people, like the old days, yep. locally, you have to do it, show you got enough people listening to be to warrant your ad dollar. I really think it's almost like going back to the 1920s, where we're yeah. trying to figure out how to generate revenue, and right. that can be it. Is everybody going to be on the car radio by 2020? How are traditional station going to be able to justify the, the rate card? Well, one of the ways is going to be to sell the time. You yeah. know, you want to be a radio terrific, you know. Yeah. You you buy your own show and you get your Uncle Fred and a couple of other people who have places and you let them chip in and, and you run commercials for them <laughs> and you have your own radio show. It's gonna be very much entrepreneurial a lot of it. It was interesting when I called oh about two years ago, W O R and some of the big stations in New York in LA for the, what we call everybody, info, info radio station, they're, they're asking for $4,000 an hour to buy time on yep. the big stations. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm amazed that they're able to sell that much product <laughs> to cover the bill of $4,000 well, a week. Well, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, it depends on who it is and what they, I mean, you find somebody that has that kind of ad budget. Um, has that kind of opportunity? You can find them. I mean, you can find people to do it, mm-hmm. but but that's not the fun side of it. The fun side of it is doing it, not oh, yeah. selling it. Yeah. You know, and and then you got to justify it. I mean, four thousand dollars an hour. I... <laughs> you know, what's the spot cost come to? <laughs> five hundred bucks. Five hundred bucks a spot. Yeah. Check out. Yeah. The Super Bowl. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What were the numbers we came up with, Walden, for Super Bowl this year? Was it $3 million? $5 million. $5 yeah, million for, for a 15-second 15 second ad or something? I think it was 15-second, yeah. So I guess 4000 for an hour isn't too bad after all. No, it's not. That's right. You know, it's, 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 all about, it's all about, you know, your, your potential audience. It's all about the potential audience, and it's very easy to... to to get into the high ends of that stuff without realizing it. But listen, I, the world has changed, pal, and, and the, the days of uh, where you 
and, and I have been interested in, mm-hmm. and, and Patricia has come to be part of. Mm-hmm. It's all changing. Every single day it's changing. Uh, I've had so many offers to do a do a blog and do a, not a blog, a, a, a podcast. Right. And, and whatever else is going on, I have my own stuff online all the time. And I'm I'm not interested in doing that. I'm been there, done that. Uh, yeah. But it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. Yep. I was uh, I was reading. Oh gosh, uh, he's the tech guy on Premiere. Um, he has a radio show. He's very good, and he you know he does like computer and all gadget things. And I was reading the ratings. Uh, his podcast generates income of fifty thousand every podcast, and I said that's not too bad, you know, considering nobody else is hardly making anything. With the well, you've got to, you've got to, That's the other thing you've got to know, and I don't know enough about it, but you've got to uh, know about um, rep ad reps. You've yep. got to have a, a national ad rep yep. to be able to help you sell it. Yeah, and that's that's how it's done. Yeah, like the in the old time. In the old days, oh, I hate saying that, but in the old days, uh, everybody had national reps, national sales reps, mm-hmm. and you would get a buy from Tetley Tea and you know, I don't know, um, you know, Coca Cola or whatever, and they would all come in on a national rep, you know, and you get a number of those. The same thing now, you're going to have to have a rep who will sell your show for you. They're all in. It's a whole other business. A whole other world, and, uh, and you you'll get in. You'll be one of the stations, if they're still calling them stations or outlets, whatever right. they're going to call them, right. that will get a percentage of the buy that will help them to cover what they think is the entire country or the entire world. I I was kind I was looking at one of these syndication companies. They wanted. The programmer, everybody, they charge about forty five hundred a month until they could get you on enough station and they could generate enough ad revenue that that post would have going to cover your bill. But that's a lot of them was charging that um, that kind of money, which is a pretty good size. Well, I have a nephew who is doing um, a podcast, or, mm-hmm. or a, I don't know if it's a, I guess it's a podcast that's online. And he's, and it's about gaming, you know, about, um, you know, I'm talking about, like, mm-hmm. where, where they, you know, the, the, uh, I, I'm really ignorant about this, but yeah. you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do. Right? Yeah. And so this kid goes on, and he does it every week. He's a, he's a high school teacher. Right. But he goes on, and he plays a game, and everybody can watch him playing it. And he's commenting on it at the same time. And you're running, running this whole, you know, yep. this is when you do this, or this is from, blah, blah, and everybody's listening to him, and they can, they can send him an IM or send him a, right. you know, a message, and he can read that, and he can respond to it, and he can talk. Well, he's getting money from 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 Google. They're placing ads on his site, wow. and he gets money from Google, and he didn't have to do anything. They contacted him. Wow. They saw how many hits he was getting. Yep. And they started placing ads, you know, in yep. his stuff. And he gets a check. That's nice. And that's that's where that's one of the places it's gonna go. Sure. I saw that at um 
Bob Olson, that interview I did about the 41 stuff, mm -hmm. I got up to over 140,000 hits. Wow. And then one night I went on to look and see where we were, and I, I clicked on the show itself, and an ad came up before my interview started. Mm. Uh, because Google had seen the number of hits, and so they they bought, they put an ad in, and Bob got money, I guess, for that, for the ad. Sure. It's a whole new world. Whole new world. I know a lot of people yeah. are trying to make income off the YouTube. You know, that's where they sign yep. up on YouTube and they can let YouTube run ads, and that's how they're generating income yep. now. Yep, you shoot something and put it on, and yep. hope that people like what you're doing. And yep, absolutely. And uh, and I guess you do that. I'm just not. I'm just not am, as ambitious anymore. You know. You want to be on the fun side. You you, can, you 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 just need somebody to handle the business side of it because you've been there, done that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, I've done all of that, and yeah. and, uh, and I mean, I just want to, like, on Saturday mornings now, and Patricia knows, and then you guys know. I just I just go and have a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, I talk about what I want to talk about. I have guests on that I find interesting, mm -hmm. and if people like it, then they can join me, and if not, they can punch the button. <laughs> you know. And and most of the time, people seem to like what I what I offer them, what I bring to them. That's good. I've been very lucky. Yeah. You know, so I'm not. But it, but I'm telling you, I've never seen it. And Walden, you know, I have never seen so many changes in in the time that I've just been in broadcast. Yeah. From the time I was a kid. Yeah. Like lightning, all of a sudden, around I don't know, maybe. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, yep. whew, everything started going like nuts. And change, 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 change. Look at this, look at this. Look at this. Well, wait a minute, we're adding this. Look, look, look. Oh, my Lord, it was like being a yep. Chinese fire drill. Unbelievable. And and it's still growing. Always something new. Sure, sure. It will be and fun to see what the next 10 years looks like. Say that again. Well, it will be fun to see what the next 10 years looks like in terms of... Well, yeah, and, and, and now they've got the handle on the technology, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah. You're not going to need any stuff. You're just going to have to think about it, and you'll be on air. <laughs> <laughs> you won't have to do anything. It's going to be amazing. That is true. So, ladies and boys and girls, my mother's calling All me. All righty, have oh. fun. And be, have fun taking a nap. And we'll talk to you next week or the week after or whenever you're free. Yeah, well, I just like to check in every once in a while. Thank you, Jeff. You guys are my favorite guys. Thank you, Dave. So, so thanks a lot for everything. And uh, don't forget to give my friend Jim a call. I now. will. I've sent him an email this week already, so I will okay, give. Okay, great. So I've great. done that, and so right. I yep. figure this week I'm going to have no time to call. And Patricia, yeah. thank you very much, honey. <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad to call in. I really appreciate that. Well, I mean, we, you know, I like spending time with you, but I, I'm all hepped up when I first call, and then I start to come down, <laughs> and now I'm ready to sleep. But um, I just wanted to, to let you know I'm thinking about you. Thank you, Dave. You don't need to have Walden's permission. You can call any Saturday you want, but we'll <laughs> before, before uh, the 22nd, okay? All right, buddy. Good night now. Good night. You have a good weekend, what's left of it. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, what a guy.
Dave Kane, everybody. 714-545-2071 is our number. Dave's on every Saturday morning from 9 to noon Eastern Time. WRMP, if I recall, the station callers and covers that Massachusetts, Rhode Island area. And stuff like that there. That's right. 714-545-2071. Jim called last night and said, I don't think I'm going to be ready with a book report, so he's not going to do a book report tonight. But, Jim, you can get calls without a book report. That's up to you. We always love hearing you. It's nice to know that Jim's got a Wi-Fi radio, so he's listening to us, everybody. So that's always good. And, uh, and stuff like that, too. And stuff like that there. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. So if nobody's going to call in, what are we going to do? Should we play a firm game, Molly? Oh, can we do that? Yeah, why don't we do that? So we'll play a... And then come back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll do that, everybody. We're going to play a firm game, Molly show. So I will put what the one? phone in. Well, why don't we play the St. Patrick's Day show that Larry found for yesterday? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So let's do that. So with that, my dear, I will call you back in uh, 30 minutes or so. Okay. And if you fall asleep, I'll wake you up, I guess. <laughs> that would be fine for the amount of sleep I got this week. Oh yeah, I my. know. I think I was sick. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll be here. All right, my dear. Talk to you in a little bit. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Alone function call to Forge 6 authorized F-O-R-G-E-6. A-U-T-H-O-R-I-Z-E-D Scripts operating in demo mode You have approximately 10 minutes remaining For a full version Visit snowmanradio.com Script load error dialog Error The file C program Data Freedom Scientific JAWS 17.0 Scripts and Snowforge60.jsp Could not be opened OK button Why don't we say our prayer first? Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful opportunity that we have in the country. Bless our family, the people we love, the people we know. Look after the needy, the poor, and the hungry. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Knocking off the phone. All right, okay, put a little pericoma while I'm trying to get Reverend McGee and Molly going. kissed me and held me closely then stole my heart wanted someone I trusted 
gave no warning we'd ever part. She was last seen hiding out in someone's arms. He knew nothing of the danger in her charms. A jury may find her guilty, but I'd forgive her if I could see a signed confession that she's repented and really wanted no one but me. Someone who kissed me and held me closely, then stole my heart. Wanted someone I trusted, who gave no warning that we'd ever part. She was last seen hiding out in someone's arms. Of the danger in her charms A jury may find her guilty But I'd forgive her If I could see A signed confession That she's repented And really wanted No one but me. Alone to 
late I have learned I never gave love a chance But if there is an answer to my every prayer If you can find within your heart that you still care I'll gladly spend my life just making up to you the things I didn't do. I never gave love a chance But if there is an answer to my every prayer If you can find within your heart that you still care I'll gladly spend my life just making up to you the thing Wishing that I 
just a little blue and lonely Maybe you'll ask me to come back again And maybe Your demo session this time's out You can continue to operate SoundForge But without the aid of the script For a full version, visit snowmanradio.com My darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh Patricia, my lovely Patricia you could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no foolin' I'm falling in love with you Oh, Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love I'm falling in Jaws love professional. I'm falling And bye, everybody. We'll be with you playing a film again, Molly, very soon. To know you is to love you. And I love you because I know you. Windows M. M. Desktop. Folder view. List view. Miscellaneous. 11 of 20. M. My documents. Everyone's heart just naturally skips a beat. The Driver update dialogue. Don't ask again button. Have met you. Better start in 
Windows M, desktop, folder view, list view, my documents, 16, enter. Document, Woody Hermit, Eerchber, C. Woody Eerchber, Frank, 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 Friday night, Friday night, Friday, Friday, Patricia, 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 Paul, Saturday, Saturday, Spurt, Spurt, Sunday, 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 Tim Harley, Tim Harley, W, Walden, Enter, Walden, Friday, C. Walden, Walden, 1, Friday night, 1, 2017, 0302112938, Walden, dot, News on Friday, Friday, Paul Carn, Paul Carn, Saturday, Saturday. Not selected, 03172, Pippermit G470513 Smuggle Irish Speed. Okay, everybody, here Fibber McGee and Molly. And thank to my mom I'll for helping me like out. You're a guest today, USA. I think I think you do a stink cut. That note was given to me by Bing Crosby. And was he glad to get rid of it? Windows M, desktop S, Skype checked S, CKXS, Soundforge Pro 11, enter. User account controlled Y, desktop. Soundforge Pro, to hear the JAWS help topic for Soundforge, press insert plus F1 twice quickly. For a list of JAWS specific Soundforge keystrokes, press escape plus H. For a list of Windows shortcut keys, press insert plus W. Soundforge Pro, Soundforge Pro 11.0, crash recovery dial, enter, MDI client. Sony net notify dialog, please wait, loading dot dot dot, Soundforge Pro 11. Escape, M, enter. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Desktop, folder view, JAWS script, my documents, JAWS scripts for SoundForge 11.11.0.5, all tab. Alt-Tab. Alt-Tab. Tab. Start button. Tab. Ask me a tab. Toolbar start li- Alt-Tab. Alt-Tab. Tab. Task view tab. Taskbar tab. Notification chevron tab. Show desktop button. Windows M. Desk S. Soundforge Audio Studio S. Soundforge Pro 11.0. Enter. Soundforge Pro script load error dialog error the file C program data freedom scientific jaw enter escape escape enter control N escape escape all tab Soundforge Pro 11.0 unknown function call to Forge 6 authorized F O R G E 6 a-U-T-H-O-R-I-Z-E-D Scripts operating in demo mode You have approximately 10 minutes remaining for a full version Visit snowmanradio.com Script load error dialog Error The file C program data freedom site Enter Soundforge Pro 11.0 Crash recovery dot enter
Data window, data window, frg001.tmp. Enter. Vegas Movie Studio, escape, 11%, data window, 5A, leaving menus, data window, frg001.tmp star, save as dialog, file name, frg001, edit. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-N-I-G-A-T, 3-18-17-I-T-A-P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-S-E-C-O-N-P-C-P-A-R-T-1, save as, save button, enter, data window. Windows M, Desktop M, Miscellaneous M, My Documents, Enter. Document, Walden W, Woody Herman Park W, Walden Hughes Radio 351, Enter, Walden, Friday, 0, Enter, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, Fibber McG 470, Unloading Jaw Can't, OK, Enter, 0, 3, 1, The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. John Professional Room. Fibber McGee, 1947, Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Gene Carroll, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, during these nice early summer days, most of us like to be out of doors more often. I like to play a little golf myself and putter around my garden. And you? Well, don't you like to get out of your kitchen just as much as you can? That's why you'll be more thankful than ever this summer that you can put a shining film of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat on your kitchen linoleum. Regular glow coat care saves hours of work all year round. Constant tiresome scrubbing is unnecessary for one thing. Dirt and spilled things wipe right up with just a damp cloth. And Johnson's Glow Coat is so easy to apply. There's no rubbing or buffing. Just apply it and let it dry. Glow Coat shines as it dries. Glow Coat makes linoleum and other floors so beautiful, too. Colors come bright and fresh. Patterns stand out again. And the bright Glow Coat shine is something you must see to believe. Try it. Have sparkling, bright floors this summer and less work. With Johnson's self-polishing Glow Coat, it's the floor finish with the brighter shine. You 
wouldn't think a man could get into much trouble simply walking from 79 Wistful Vista to the Elks Club at 14th and Oak Streets, would you? Well, if that's what you think, you don't know our Mr. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> oh, I had a Cocker Spaniel, and her name was Little Nellie. He used to roll up on her back so he could scratch her on the stomach. <laughs> oh, the monkey and the coconuts. Gotta get that pivot tooth tightened. Getting so I hiss like a skillet full of salt pork. If I ever get it. Hey, buddy. Who said that? Me, Mac. Over here in the doorway. Huh? Oh, hi, bud. If this is a stick-up, you need a little more experience. I'm flattered in the copper's arches. Nah, nah, nah. This ain't no stick-up, pal. I want to do you a favor. A likely story. Guys, don't stop guys in doorways to do guys favors. You think I just come in from Peoria on a load of hay or something? <laughs> Not you, brother. I know a city man when I see one. And what I got here wouldn't interest no yokels. What do you mean? What do you got? And if you're going to try and sell me a genuine sable coat that you smuggled out of Russia in a bucket of borscht, <laughs> you're barking up the wrong citizen. Look, Mac, that hot burst stuff is strictly a racket, see? This is legit. Come here. I don't want to broadcast this. Okay, but I don't... I've been waiting here all morning for some guy to come past that looks like he knew a real hand-woven Irish tweed when he's seen it. Irish tweed? Yeah. And woven. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Three bolts of the finest homespun Irish tweed that ever come out of Donegal, pal. Frankly, I, uh, smuggled it in, see? In that case, include me out, bud. Smuggling is illegal. It's cheating the government. Look, Mac, leave us be logical. Who is the government? The government is the people. Who is the people? Me and you. If we cheat ourselves, who cares? <laughs> I got three bolts of Irish tweed you can have a piece. Me mother needs the money. Where you got it? Down the alley in an empty rubbish can. Come on, let me show you. This is a great party. So we walks down the alley, Molly. Yeah. And when he lifts the lid off of that empty rubbish can, there it was. Three bolts of the most beautiful Irish tweed you ever scratched your fingers on. Look at it. Hand-woven. Mm-hmm. He says I could have the three bolts for ten bucks a bolt, and I played it cagey, see? I says it's too much, pretending I wasn't interested. Yeah. So he says if ten bucks a bolt is too much, I could have, I could have all three for thirty-five bucks. <laughs> so I grabs it. Dearie, remember that picture in the photo album of you as a little boy? Playing horse with a harness around your shoulders and your brother Mickey holding the reins? Yeah, but what that got to do with this... Your part? brother knew you better than I do. He played it safe. I don't get the... McGee, this so-called Irish tweed is not worth the thread to make it into fishnets. It's junk. <laughs> you think so, eh? You think this guy would have risked smuggling it in from Ireland if it wasn't worth good dough? How do you know he smuggled it in from Ireland? He showed me his mother's picture that he was going to send the money home to. <laughs> How do you know it was his mother? It said so right underneath the picture. Whistler's mother. Oh. <laughs> the guy's name was Patrick Michael Whistler. Listen, my little pigeon. <laughs> Whistler's mother is a famous painting. Yeah. If her son were living, he'd be 113 years old. Oh, by George, he don't look it. <laughs> he handled these, these three heavy bolts of tweed like they were nothing. <laughs> I'll bet he did, all right. What's done is done, dearie. What are you going to do with it? Make a few bucks on it. Sell it to a few friends. Ought to be 25 yards to a bolt. That's 75 yards. Sell it for maybe 10 bucks a yard. That's $750. Minus 35, 715 bucks profit. 
Wow, what an investment. Let me see that cloth again. Here, take a look. You see how loose wove it is? You see them little twigs and stuff in it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see why Ireland stayed neutral in the war. Huh? Nobody dared get into an argument wearing stuff like this. Well, you women don't know much about tweeds. That's strictly a man's material. It's outdoorsy. Well, it can't go outdoorsy too quicksy for measy. You wait and see how it makes up, kiddo. I'd better measure it and see how much I can keep for myself. You got a tape measure? There's one in my sewing basket upstairs. Lena will get it for you. Oh, swell. Hey, Lena. Oh, Lena. I got the tape measure right here, Mr. McGee. I've been checking myself, and I'm a perfect 36. <laughs> Lena, you are a 36, huh? Just exactly, honey. 30 around the middle and 6 around the neck. Yeah, but Lena... Oh, I always had wonderful proportions, like the Venus de Mildew people said. <laughs> you know, I won a bathing beauty contest once in Cleveland. You did? I was Miss Shaker Heights of 1926. <laughs> I had a real good offer from the movies, too. Oh, not really, Lena. An offer from the movies? Yes, they wanted me to play opposite Barbara Stanwyck. Oh. They said they'd never seen nobody as opposite Barbara as I was. <laughs> But did you ever actually work in pictures, Lena? Well, not actually, no. I didn't think it was dignified. They just wanted me to be a standby. A stand-in? Yes, a stand-in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not undignified, Lena. Lots of stand-ins have become stars, you know. Well, I wouldn't have, honey. They wanted me to stand in for a horse in the skip-along Hassidy picture. <laughs> Gosh, and I knew I'd never get to be a horse. <laughs> No, you're a little dark for a Palomino, Lena. Okay. Hey, take a look at this Irish tweed material I just bought. Beautiful, eh? Is that Irish tweed, Mr. McGee? Well, goodness me. Wouldn't my papa love some of that? He would, eh? Mm. Was your father Irish by birth, Lena? No, by extraction, honey. After he had his teeth pulled, he had the most beautiful brogue you ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, call me unless you want something. in the orchestra and illusion.
Hey, Molly, I just measured this cloth. It's only 60 yards, but at 10 bucks a yard, that's 600 bucks. You know, the cloth I got from the guy in the alley? Yes. Not bad for a morning's work, eh? Look, dearie, 60 yards of cloth will make an awful lot of suits. And in this case, I do mean awful. <laughs> but what makes you think anybody will buy it? Because my friends know clothes, that's why. Take Wilcox, for instance, happiest dresser in town. He'll knock me down to get four yards of this tweed. He'd probably knock you down for just suggesting it. <laughs> and Doc Gamble. Now, there's a guy who really needs a new suit. He always looked like he'd got dressed in the wrong upper berth with the train pulling in. I don't know, McGee. He goes to the best tailors in town. Yeah, he goes there. And you know what? They give him a 25% discount if they don't have to put their labels in his coats. <laughs> that guy could get nine fittings on a $300 suit, put it on, and get pinched for vagrancy outside the shop. Why, if he ever... Come in. Well, heavenly days, it's the good doctor himself. Come in, doctor. Thank you, my dear. Hello, Bucklewart. <laughs> you look well pleased with yourself today. You must have had faultless in the this. No. No, he got tweeds in the alley, Doctor. I beg your pardon? Tell me something, Cebu. Cebu? Elephant boy. <laughs> I don't like to get personal, but did you see the prinkness? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to get personal, but how much did the upholster blackmail you for that slipcover you're wearing? He doesn't like to get personal, he says. Oh, that's all right, my dear. I see so much politeness in the course of my professional day that his vulgarity is rather refreshing. Thank you. What was the question again? Gargantua? Yes. Gargantua. That wasn't in the Preakness. <laughs> I was asking, my dear medico, what you had to lay on the line for that double-breasted awning you got on. That beach umbrella with sleeves. I think that's a very handsome suit, McGee. Needs a little pressing, perhaps, but nice material. Frankly, my boy, it's none of your business. But this suit set me back $150. It has a concealed pocket in the vest where I carry a loaded revolver. So if you have any more insulting questions, I suggest you precede them with a brief prayer. I'm not being insulting, Fatso. I'm going to do you a favor. That's what Hitler said just before he marched into Poland. <laughs> well, show him the goods, dearie, and then jump back. Goods? Take a gander at this bowl of hand-woven Irish tweed, Ducky. Imagine yourself in the Easter parade wearing a suit made of that. <laughs> in the princess? Yeah. <laughs> Why, you'd have every rich millionaire in town breaking his legs so he could get to know you. Mm-hmm. Irish tweed, you say? Yeah. Yeah, they made it strictly for export, Doctor. A proud people, the Irish. I see what you mean. Where'd you get it, Sonny? He bought it from a man in a doorway. From a guy that smuggled it in, butcher boy. Going to sell it at a sacrifice to a few close friends. And I haven't got a friend that's any closer than you are. Ten dollars a yard, doctor. I'll take three yards. What? You will? You mean you really like this material, doctor? For my purpose, it's perfect. You see, I frequently have calls late at night. Have to drive out into the country. Bad weather, bad road. Oh, I get it. You want a material that's warm and wears good, eh? No, when I get stuck in the mud, I like to have something to throw under the wheel. <laughs> Send it over to me any time, McGee. Good day. Well, to throw under his wheels in the mud. That's what he thinks of your Irish tweed, dear. <laughs> Don't kid yourself, Snooky. He just says that so I wouldn't raise the price when I seen he wanted it. Hey, I better pull down the window shade so the sun don't fade this stuff. You know, some of these high-class materials are like... Dad wrapped that dad ratted window shade. I gotta fix that thing one of these days. There's no hurry, dearie. 
I stop leaping three feet every time it goes up. <laughs> now I just twitch a little. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop at the hardware store sometime and get... Hello, the... folks. Remember me, the man who sells the stuff to raise the dough to buy the time to put you on so I can come in and sell the stuff? <laughs> You're just the guy I wanted to see, Junior. You're one of the few fellows around here who knows good material. Yes, and I want to talk to you about that. If you can't get me out on a laugh once in a while, Racine will start thinking I'm... No, 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 Mr. Wilcox. (laughs) He means clothing material, not comedy material. Although on second thought, maybe it is. You know a good Irish tweed when you see it, Junior? Sure. What's that got to do with it, McGee? What do you mean, what's that got to do with it? This is a fine tweed. Here, Junior, take a look at this bolt of cloth. What is it? A good question. Boy, this is the finest Irish tweed ever brung, brought, ever imported out of Ireland. <laughs> Close your eyes and smell that material, Junior. It's got the very fragrance of old Ireland. Well, I don't know if I'd Can't I'd you be just in. picture those happy weavers singing Meet Me in the Garden where the praties grow? <laughs> As the mist rises over the peat bogs and the wet smacks a tourist kissing the Blarney Stone come wafting across the River Shannon and the little people picking shamrocks on the road to County Clare and the pretty spalpeens lacing up their shillelaghs for a game of morning in the bright morning. <laughs> And Pat O'Brien jumps off the roof of Gromit's Chinese theater. <laughs> well, it just smells like cloth to me, pal. Where'd you get it? He bought it from a man in a doorway. Son, I'm in a position to let you have a few yards of this at the reduced rate of ten bucks a yard. Oh, I don't think so. Now, I'd wait, be. boy. Don't give me your decision right off the bat. Think it over. Thought you were a little fanatic about quality merchandise. Oh, I am. After but... all, Mr. Wilcox, why is Johnson's Wax so outstanding? Why, because it's the finest product of its kind, of course. Exactly. And what do you tell people when you sell it? Why, simply say that Johnson's Wax is the finest wax polish that money can buy. I tell them it's a delight to the proud housekeeper, that it keeps floors, furniture, and woodwork bright, spotless, and gleaming, that it protects, beautifies, and preserves. That it makes a house a home and makes every shining surface reflect hospitality. That's what McGee means, Mr. Wilcox. Appearance is so important. Certainly. First impressions are lasting impressions. You go into a home that uses Johnson's wax and you immediately get the impression of healthful cleanliness. Absolutely. Therefore, a coat made of this Irish tweed... I always say that Johnson's wax is the coat of armor that guards against dust and dirt and dampness. Yeah, but this tweed material is... All wood and enamel surfaces. Johnson's wax is a must. The best housekeepers have used it for generations. How many pounds do you want? Uh, better give us half a dozen, eh, Molly? Hell, it Least, okay, yeah. I'll have Kramer's Drugstore send him over first thing tomorrow. Thanks very much. Not at all, Waxy. Glad you told us about it. Come in again. I will. So long. <laughs> Quite a salesman, that lad. <laughs> he makes Johnson's wax sound so good. Hey, I was trying to sell him something. Well, he, he out-talked you, dearie. You uh, were up against a professional there. Yeah. Well, I've got to go upstairs and sort the laundry. Lunch will be ready in about a half an hour. Okay, Tootsie. <laughs> ah, there goes a good kid. She thinks I got rooked with this Irish tweed, but who knows best about materials? Her or me? Don't answer that, McGee, because... Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hi, teeny. Well, what you all dressed up for? Well, I'm going to circus, I bet you. My daddy's taking me. He is, eh? And he aren't, hmm? I says he is, eh? Is what? Taking you to the circus. Oh. Your daddy. I know it. <laughs> He's taking me and Willie, too. Okay, okay. You like circuses? Sure I do, I bet you. I think circuses are more fun than anything. Yeah. <laughs> See, they got lions and tigers and elephants and hippopotamuses and kalamazoos and... and whoop, 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 whoop. And what's this? Hmm? 
What were those last animals? Kalamazoos. Oh. That's kind of like a big rabbit with little bitty front feet, and they carry their babies in their watch pockets. <laughs> <laughs> you mean kangaroos, sis. Kalamazoo is a town in Michigan. Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's just the name of it, that's all. Is that where they get all the Kalamazoos for the circuses? Where? In Kangaroo, Michigan. <laughs> Look, sis, they don't get Kalamaz they don't get kangaroos in Kalamaz. They get Kalamazoos in Australia. I mean, that's where they get kangaroos. Oh, oh well, oh, why don't they get them in Michigan? That's closer, I bet you. Because they come from Australia. That's the only place they have them. Except Michigan, huh? <laughs> no, they don't have them in Michigan. That's Kalamazoo. You ever see one, mister? See what? A Kalamazoo. Certainly. When I was in Vaudeville, they had boxing Kalamazoos. Uh. <laughs> had boxing gloves on their hind feet. Uh. <laughs> I remember one time we were... One time we were playing Kangaroo, Michigan, and the count... Now, wait a minute. I... No. Look, you better run along, sis. You don't want to be late for the circus. No. No, I don't. I want to have plenty of time to see a lion, an elephant, and a Kalamazoo, and a Gerard. There you go again. It isn't Gerard. It's giraffe. There you go again, mister. This is my cousin, Gerard. He's meeting us at the circus. So long. The King's Man, man. You can't tell a man by his hat. In black or brown or blue or gray. Actors were extravagant and green. Or something just on gay. You can always recognize a carriage straight from pool room guys, but now just look what's happened to the scene. Low brows and high hats and high brows and no hats, so what is this world coming to? Zulus in ear laps and crooks in police caps, the day of discretion is through. There was a time when you could tell a cowboy by his ten-gallon lid. <laughs> but every dude has got a headpiece now, boy, just like Billy the Kid. Now meanies wear beanies and Bing wears an old thing like something dragged in by the cat. That distinguished beaver may be Jolson's mammy. Or next year's version of Uncle Sammy. You can't tell a man by his hat. Escorts and sailors and people in trailers are all wearing toppers and spats. That man in the pink beret may be none other than Wallace Wimple. Or Whistler's mother. You, you can't, can't tell a man by his hat. Can't tell a man, can't tell a man, can't tell a man by the style of his hat. My might was nice of you to drop in, Mr. Wimple. Thank you, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> Lucky, too, Wimp. For you, I mean. I'm going to do something for you. No, thank you, Mr. McGee. Hmm? People are always doing things for me, and I'm always getting into trouble. Oh. How's that, Mr. Wimple? Well, just this morning, Sweetie Face, that's my big old wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. Sweetie Face said, Wallace, she said... I'm going to do something for you. And I said, yes, dear. And she said, some of the girls are coming for luncheon. 
And I'm going to let you make your lemonade. <laughs> and I did, too. Well, what's so amusing about that, Mr. Wimple? Well, I'm going back after lunch and walk right up to her and say, Listen, you big moose. After this, you can mix your own lemonade. Wow. What'll she say to that, Wimp? <laughs> Nothing. She'll be asleep. They'll all be asleep. Heavenly days, you mean? <laughs> yes. Mickey's. Wimp, I got three bolts of genuine hand-woven Irish tweed here that I bought. From a man in a doorway. Yeah. You know anything about good Irish tweed, Wimp? No, I don't, Mr. McGee. Sweetie Face buys all my clothes. Really? Don't you ever buy any clothes for yourself? I bought a pair of gloves once. Hmm. I got so tired of wearing those mittens with a string running through my sleeve. What happened when Sweetie Face found that out, Wimp? Oh, she just had a tantrum, Mr. McGee. Yeah. She snatched my bird book out of my hand and hit me on the head with it. Your what, Mr. Wimple? My bird book. <laughs> you see, I have been reading about the silver-crested wiki of Pennsylvania, which builds plumbing into its nest with soda straws. And then when she... May I come in? You are in with... That's somebody else. Oh, excuse me. Here, Mr. Wimple, come in. My gosh, Latrivia. Hi, Latrivia. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hello, Molly. Hello, McGee. And Wallace. Good day, Your Honor. Haven't seen you since you sneaked out one night and met me in the Chinese restaurant, Wallace. <laughs> I hope there were no unfortunate repercussions to that event. Well, there were, but they've healed up now. <laughs> Like Chinese food, Your Honor? Very fond of it, Molly. In fact, I learned how to cook rice myself. Well, you give me your recipe for rice, and I'll give you my recipe for hot chocolate, Latria. What's your recipe for hot chocolate, Mr. McGee? I take hot chocolate, I take chocolate, and heat it. <laughs> put the cart before the horse. <laughs> now, you tell me your recipe for rice, Latria. I hope it isn't quite that complicated. <laughs> yes, I hope so, too. <laughs> Oh, it's very simple, Wimple. First, you boil the rice, then you put it in a colander and run cold water through it. What month, Latrib? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Oh, oh, this was last month, April. You punch holes in it, I suppose. <laughs> in what? In the colander. I suppose for a large batch of rice, you use a long month out of the calendar, huh? You went out of calendars, Mr. Mayor. I've got a lot of old ones. I don't suppose it matters what year. I am not talking about calendars. I said colander. Well, what's the difference how you pronounce it, boy? Molly says saucepan, and I always say saucepan, but it cooks the same stuff. What, what I was trying to say was that a colander and a calendar are two different things. I know they are, Mr. Mayor. I got one from the bank with a picture of a pretty girl on it, and I got one from the butcher with a cow on it. And Sweetie Face let me keep the one with the cow. <laughs> Look, when I said cowlander, uh, colander, I didn't mean I cooked the goose, ooh, I cooked the rice in the calendar. A colander is a hole with bowls in it. No. <laughs> a bowl with holes in it. Oh, now, uh, come now, Mr. Mayor. Uh, don't get so excited about it. Every cook has his own way of doing things. If you want to punch holes in the calendar, I'm sure... I don't punch cows in a holander. <laughs> I mean, when I cook rice, I run through some cold water. I, 
mean I run some cold calendars through a water through. He? No. No, I can't go through with this sort of thing today. I have much too much on my mind. What's cooking, Latrice, besides you? Oh, we have a small crime wave going on in town, McGee. A series of robberies. Heavenly days, robberies. Any very big ones, Mr. Mayor? No, no. As a matter of fact, these burglars don't seem to have much judgment, Molly. Last night, they broke into the Wistful Vista Sack and Bag Company and took a truckload of burlap. Burlap? Yes. Yes, and they've been selling it to people around town as Irish tweed. <laughs> For two dollars a bolt. Two bucks a bolt? Hey, the dirty crook! Tell me, how does your car look? Be honest now, is it a good deal dirtier and gloomier looking than you'd like it to be? If it is, I think I know the reason. Whoever does the car polishing in your house is waiting for an easy way to do the job. Well, sir, you needn't wait a day longer. The easy way to polish your car is here, and it's called Johnson's Car New. Even if you search the whole country, you wouldn't find a car polish that's easier to use than Car New. You see, Johnson's Car New is a liquid that both cleans and polishes your car in one quick application. Here are the simple directions. You apply Car New, rubbing just enough to loosen the road grime, and let it dry to a white powder. Then you wipe this powder off. All the dirt and road grime disappear. And take it from me, the shine on your car does your heart good. Why not try easy-to-use Johnson's Car New? It's wonderful. One quick application and you'll have a clean, sparkling car that's a joy to drive. After I described the guy, the cops went right out and picked him up, Molly. Him and his pal. Oh, wonderful. So you helped capture the burlap burglars, yep. huh? They got the whole truckload of loot back, too. And you know what I'm going to do with the reward? Reward? Yep. I'm going to give it all to you, kiddo. You've been a good kid. You've been wanting new drapes for the living room, and this reward will come in hand. Oh, McGee, you darling. How much is it? Ten bolts. <laughs> oh, good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson White Products for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Windows M, Desktop, Folder S, SoundForge Audio, S, SoundForge Pro 11, Enter. Folder View, List View, SoundForge Pro 11.0, 21 of 22. Tab 1. Fibber McGee 9. Soundforge Pro 11.0 Saturday Night 31817 with Patricia Second PC Part 1. Wav. Unknown function call to Forge 6 authorized. F O R G E 6 A U T H O R I C E D. Scripts operating in demo mode. You have approximately 10 minutes remaining for a full version. Visit snowmanradio.com. Script load error dialog. Error. The file C program data freedom Scientific JAWS 17.0 scripts and snowforge60.jsb could not be opened. OK button. Enter Soundforge Pro 11.0 Saturday Night 31817 with Patricia Second PC Part 1.wav. Data window. New window. Sample. New window. 
Shadows. Okay, okay, enter. Data window. Zero point oh 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 seconds. Two point two point seven seven two set unloading job. Can't okay enter unknown function. Then stole my heart. Wanted someone I trusted. Jaws professional Patricia from no FL Home. Old tab. Skype trade tab. Online tab. Walden tab. Search edit. Actress favorite. Jim Taylor Patricia from FL Home. Phone number favorite. Someone's arms. He knew nothing of the danger in her All right, we figured out my computer problem. We're going to call Patricia. And we still got the Paul Carnegie interview. Thank you for my mom for getting me through all that. Hope you enjoyed the Fibber McGee and Molly show from 1947. So let me talk to Patricia off here and find out how she's doing, how much energy she got, and so stand by. And really wanted no one but me.
Which what was? was that? My dingling. <laughs> he wrote that. <laughs> yeah. That is one of the funnest songs that were out there. It was just you waited for the end. You waited for the end, and the end wasn't what you expected. <laughs> I mean, when you think of all the big things he did, that none of those wreck Carol, O'Carroll, Nadine, uh, riding along in my automobile, all those, all those things that he did that were trendsetters, Roll Over Beethoven. I mean, when you think of all those records, that one was the one that made it to number one. Of course, that probably says more about the taste of the American public than it does Chuck Berry. That's true. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, I think now there's, a, I would say, four rock and roll legends from the 50s who are still with us. Well, let's see who might be. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, most of, the, most of the ones we think of are gone. Right, but I think there's four. I would classify four of them. Okay. Where was Bobby Bordello? Well, I, I think, he, I, in my mind, he started in 1960. I, I was going by okay. the, the first, you know, when rock and roll so hit throughout the decade of the 50s, who had a so big hit in the who 50s. who would you say, Walden? Well, um, my mind, uh, Joey Lee Lewis. Yeah. Would be one. Sure. Uh, Little Richard would be another. Okay. Chubby Checkers. Sure. Fat, yeah, right. Good, good choices there. And Fat Dominoes. And Fat yeah. Dominoes. Oh, those are the four I can think of. Right. Um, who, who was the Jimmy or James? Chubby Checker. Chubby? Oh, no, the backup one. Mm-hmm. Jerry, uh, Jim, Lewis? James? I, Little I, Richard. I said, okay, uh, for Jerry Lee Lewis. Right. Chubby Checkers. Uh-huh. Fats Dominoes. Okay. And Little Richard. Little Richard. Yeah, those are the four big ones in my mind from the 1950s. Yeah. And, um, you're right. They're, they're all good. And they're all, um, yeah, hopefully they're may, still may, healthy. Yeah, maybe there's still some others from the 50s. But the other ones, I'm thinking like uh, Bobby Rydell. Frankie Avalon. Avalon. Those, those, I always think like the 60s, like 1960, 61, in right, my mind. Frankie Avalon, R- R- Bobby Rydell, Fabian, mm-hmm. people like that. Right. Um, of course, you had <coughs> um, a lot of, you know, you, but uh, yeah, Chuck Berry was, was certainly a legend. Yeah. Um, one reason I called today is I got to hear most of William Tell today. You did? Uh, in case Patricia didn't know, on the Metropolitan Opera radio broadcast today, they broadcast William Tell by Rossini, and that is interesting because it demanded not perform William Tell in over 80 years. Walden beat you to the punch on that one. Actually, Jim told me yesterday that you know, I have to thank Jim <gasps> for the information. Oh. It's a very long opera. It's over four hours. I want, I want in my in my bucket list. One of the things I want to be done is have Patricia to sing it one one Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to hear the famous overture at the beginning. Uh-huh. And the announcer did point out that many people remember it as the Lone Ranger theme, at least the last part of the overture. I was telling Walden last night that, and John and Larry, that someone I read once said 
that an intellectual is someone who hears the William Tell Overture and does not think of the Lone Ranger. A great line. Hmm. Yeah, that was a good line. Well, I, you know, you know that that became so enamored with that with that program that I bet if you ask 99% of the people if you played just the opening bar, no, I bet 99% of them are not going to say the William Tell Overture. I agree. I would I would think most new classical music fans, I want they're, they're coming through movies and things. You know, because a lot of famous music, movie scores are still done with a full orchestra and yeah. scores like that. That's probably of, course, probably... of course, when you hear about people like, I guess, John Williams, I guess, is the most prominent music composer for the last 20, 25 or 30 years or more. He, it seemed, he seems to score a hit every time. Yeah, and, and let's face it, a big... Uh, classical music station down here in L.A. Maybe because part of the film community, every every afternoon, especially during, they play nothing but f- film scores. That's sort of that's the thing to tribute, you know, tie in classical music and and, and the movies. KUSC, right? Uh huh. Yeah, and they do the opera on Saturday mornings. They right? do. That's why I recorded it this morning. I hope you get a chance to enjoy it later. Hopefully, yes. Um. But it was well done. The orchestration was very good. Um, I didn't understand any of it except what the narrator said was going to be on it, of course. I guess that's one of the things about opera is you have to... Uh, when they tried to do them in English, the classics, I understand it did not do very well with the audience. You know, in my mind, every time I think of opera, I'm just thinking of my dad. He, he likes to go around sometimes saying, Tori, Adori, those are about... <laughs> yeah, there, there's two that stand out that way, Tori, Adore, and Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another one, let's see, what is it? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I think Hamburger Helper even used that on a commercial once. <laughs> You know, when they use, of course, it's public domain, a lot of that music, so that anyone can use it for anything they want. Um, <clears throat> when you hear... Uh, when we, um, Patricia, when we think of opera, what comes to your mind? Opera. Um, let me think. Do you enjoy opera? Is it hard for you not understanding the language? Is that an issue with you when you listen to an opera? Not particularly. I listen more to the voices and the music. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? No, it doesn't bother me. (laughs) It doesn't. Yeah. Well, well, and of course, I guess a did, lot, did, especially did the, in, of well, the instrumental music too, is oftentimes stands out. Did any of you, did any of you ever take a, a music appreciation class? Yeah, I did once. And what was it like, Jim? Well, we went over the history of the different eras of composing. Like, we went through like you know a lot of the church era, and then we went through the Baroque era, uh-huh. the classical era, and the Romantic era. 
Like Baroque would have been people like, I guess, Handel. Okay. And I guess the classical would have been people like Mozart and Beethoven. Right. And romantic is when you begin to have uh, music based on stories or legends, like when Mendelssohn did Sleeping Beauty, I mean, Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Tchaikovsky did Sleeping Beauty and other things like that. And we talked about various composers and their lives and... Uh, it was it was a, it was a fun class, and of course I have to give the children's record companies of the fifties credit for trying to introduce children of that era to music appreciation. There were the Young People's Label. <coughs> Excuse me. That's okay. Yeah. That's one memorable mm-hmm. adaptations of Sleeping Beauty by Tchaikovsky and. Cinderella by Prokofiev and A Midsummer Night's Dream by Mendelssohn with narration, but you got a chance to hear the music. And there were other records that taught you about instruments, and there was a very, very famous Capitol record in the late 40s and was out in the 50s and 60s called Rusty and Orchestraville. And this little boy named Rusty is tired of playing scales on the piano. And when he goes to take a nap in his home, a conductor appears to him and takes him to a place where the instruments talk with a semison, electronic, you know, thing, mm-hmm. to make the instruments talk. But they also play, and you get to your clips of different things like uh, Chopin's Nocturne in E flat and uh, various violin concertos and the Minute Waltz by <coughs> Chopin and. It was another record to appreciate music, and then there was uh, Little Golden Records, uh, which was one of Mitch Miller's enterprises, even did children's versions of Rodgers and Hammerstein songs, like June is Busting Out All Over in Oklahoma. So they got, children got to hear <coughs> glimpses of the America, American songbook. Mm-hmm. And it was a noble effort. They were done with professional orchestras. And um, Cricket did, although they were very short, they were like eight minutes, but you got the drift. They did versions of the Mikado and the Pirates of Penzance, mm. where you hear Gilbert and Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And then there was a series that Ron and I are familiar with, a United Artist series of classic literature called Tail Spinners for Children. We've talked about these before, where they were dramatized versions of Robin Hood and William Tell and Robinson Crusoe. Mm-hmm. And as bridge music, they used classical music between scenes. <coughs> and they were very well acted and very well done. Did you, ever, did you ever take a music appreciation class, Patricia? Say that again, please. Have you ever taken a music appreciation class. No, I had my phone turned down because <laughs> you're usually loud. <laughs> um, no, I did not. I, think I, I, have, I have not. You know, I'll, I'll turn Jim down for a second. I have never uh, taken a, a classical music appreciation class, and I would like to. That's something I feel... I really like classical music. 
I, I, I never had any kind of appreciation course. I had a crazy woman stand in front of us and says, who can sing bass? I don't mean low. Who can sing bass? Traditional, absolutely bass. Sadly, in a lot of cities, radio stations, unless they are non-commercial, have given up on classical music in a lot of cities. They have. They have. You have a good one here. You have a good one in L.A. I don't know if you have a good one in Florida, Patricia. You have a classical music station in Florida, Patricia? We do. We have um, the PBS. No, it's <laughs> yes, PBS, mm -hmm. public broadcasting. Um, I get all my my um, numbers mixed up or my letters mixed up. Mm -hmm. Yes, they they broadcast a really nice lineup of classical music. I haven't found it anywhere else, and they certainly don't do that all day. But. Well, you also told us where you yep. had a very good adult standard station in Florida that plays Sinatra and Como and all of that. And where is it located? Well, I don't remember you told me about it. I think you were, dri you were driving up north. I think you found it while you were driving to your, your library assignments, Patricia. And I found one. Uh-huh. Hmm. I don't remember the call letters. You mentioned it once. Unless it's changed formats, which wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, we have a good classical station here. There's a good one in Sacramento. Um, and uh, like a, our, our station here even does a sacred concert on Sunday mornings where you get to hear Haydn and some of the people that wrote sacred music in addition to classical music. Yeah, KUSE does that. KUSE does that from 6 to 9 Saturday, Sunday morning. Right, and then we have a show called Baroque by the Bay from 9 till 11. So we've got, and we also have the NPR feature from the top, mm -hmm. where talented young musicians perform. Um, it's a good show. Um, by the way, have you had a chance yet, Walden, to check out that Massachusetts station? Nope, I have not. I've been working on reps. I've been oh, working yeah. till 4 in the morning the last three days trying to get reps together in five weeks so well you're, you'll get if anyone can get it done you can thank you jim <laughs> thank you jim so. it'll be interesting to hear all that when it when it uh comes on yep looking forward to it i'm looking forward to see they have a meeting tomorrow so i gave them a list of things they need to get figured out so hopefully they'll find meeting tomorrow huh they have to find to see if they have find enough bodies i said you need eight sound effect people are you going to be doing that by Skype and? No, uh, I just gave him, I just gave him my brain, so I put okay. it, I put it all down on paper. <laughs> so they'll have to handle the meeting. They'll handle the meeting by themselves, and I'm asking I'll hear about it Sunday night. Uh, 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 you know that kind of thing. I said, you know, yeah, I, I, I told you, I, I, well, I, I did. Say if any, well, I'm going to have to leave because of my voice. All right, I wanted yeah. to acknowledge William Tell and the other things and. I'll be starting on the two books. I'm just trying to debate whoever to go with by the same author. I'm debating on Teddy Roosevelt first or Star Spangled Men. Whatever you choose will be great, Jim. Yeah. By the way, what is the term spang? I always hear about the Star Spangled Banner. I know what star is. I know what banner is. What is spangled? As far as I, that's a great question. As far as I know. It's something that shines brightly, like maybe the stars? I don't know. Let me see. 
Oh boy, you you you're the first one tonight, Jim. You got us to do some homework. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did some homework for somebody. Wait a minute. You, you know, yeah. it's one of those things you've heard the term, and I've never even thought about That's what the true. term actually meant. That's true. All right, Spangled definition. Let's see what we got here. Spangled. Spangled. Covered with spangles. You know, those are shiny little doodads. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or other small sparkling objects. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I was almost there, wasn't I? You were brilliant. Yeah, that was pretty quick. <laughs> Quicker, I guess, than trying to figure out. Um, what was the most difficult question a listener ever gave you on yesterday, USA? Do you remember? Oh. oh. Some of them have been really tough. Yeah. What do you think, Walden? Um... I don't think we have. I don't think we've taken on what's his name, uh, the theory of relativity yet. I think that we've been able to avoid that particular topic. Yeah. So, yeah. Harwood can really get into some deep uh, things that I don't know about. He's got a background. He, he seems to have a technical understanding of things. And sometimes when Harwood, oh, yeah. when Harwood starts explaining it. He doesn't consider himself brilliant, but I really think he is. He's one of the most brilliant people that calls mm -hmm. into us. I think one he's of the smartest people who calls in. Yeah, yeah. yeah I people think people who call in. Yeah. Everybody, everybody who calls in, have, you, you all have your uniqueness. Well, and they all have ta different talents and diff yeah. different memories. Like mine might be radio. Yep. Ron's might be radio and popular, you know, rock music. and roll music. Yep. Uh, Curtis literature. Yeah, he's our literature there expert. Call about literature. Yeah, uh, and uh, Harwood, he gets into the engineering and technical aspects. It, you all have your area of expertise. And what is Mr. King's? Mr. Who? Mr. Uh, the one called Dave King. King from Rhode Island. Yeah, King. I, I think he's a showman. I really think he's a, uh, he's a showman in, in a lot of ways. Who I mean, he's a, he's an entertainer, but he's yeah. able to do. On stage and personality, I just think he's a... Well, like when Kurt calls, mm -hmm. his, his can be radio or it can be books. Definitely literature. He loves Apparently literature. literature, yeah. yeah. Uh, What's the hardest question we ever got? Hardest question? The, the hardest question, Jim asked. Yeah, well, that you can think of. Can you think of one that just really st st stumped you? Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to think. One night I was on, in I would say hello in between, looking for a particular piece of information that I couldn't even find on the internet. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I remember that night, but I don't remember what I was searching for. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was page after page after page, and I kept putting in different search words, and it was it was agonizing. <laughs> Not only that, I didn't well, know the, the answer. Well, the problem, too, is when you, when you don't know, for example, the spelling of something. Yeah. Well, in my case, I have certain areas. Yes, everybody, I don't know everything. I have certain areas that I'm not, I have not studied, like, um, like the galaxy and stars and, you know, all that uh, stuff. 
So, but art, I wouldn't now, because you know I have, I have no reason to pictures and mm-hmm. paintings. Like I could read a biography, say of Picasso, and there have been some that have been recorded. Mm-hmm. But understanding what he did, not not looking at the painting or the statue, the narrator could explain it to me, I suppose. But without looking at the statue, I wouldn't be able to, you know, to grasp what he what he accomplished, like. Uh, Loose, I could understand because I, you know I know magazines and papers mm-hmm. somewhat about stuff like that, or a uh, like a sculpture, a, uh, a sculptor, a, a painter, mm-hmm. think things you know the visual arts. I wouldn't be able to really do objective, say, uh, understanding of it, mm-hmm. so knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. If it's something I don't follow, I don't pursue knowledge of it. Patricia, what about you? What 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 is your I'm what? Thinking. What do you want to work on over the next fifty years of your life to become brilliant? Fifty years. Yeah. Well, I don't look that far ahead. I know, but I'll give you a little wide. I'm giving you a little wide. I, I wide clean right. up all the messes I created before I, got <laughs> I, I advanced. So, is there anything um, in your life that you want to learn? Yeah. You want to learn? Yeah. Besides Braille. Yeah, yeah, boy, I was thinking about that this week. <laughs> oh. and have you ever thought about, and of course we've talked about this sometimes, have you ever, and, well, and of course the who knows how the publishing world is now, have you ever thought about writing a book about awful radio shows, sort of an encyclopedia of those shows that <laughs> that were not, I mean, and of course I guess the problem is, well, we love it, would a publisher understand what you were trying? Well, I know one who would publish it. Bear Manor? Of course. Yeah. They would publish it. <laughs> because, you know, there, there, there is no greater authority. There is no greater authority in that in that subject matter than Patricia. I would claim she's the world authority on the most awful radio shows of all time. There is no doubt. Well, she people is. have written books on bad movies, right? Yes. Yeah. The ten worst movies of all. I mean, I don't remember the yeah. author, but or, or they give out the the uh, Raspberry Award or some of those, you know, stuff every year. But I think we can crown Patricia Queen of the, of awfulness in terms of radio. Okay, How did the idea come about in the first place? Yeah, there you go, Patricia. How did it come about? Uh huh. How, How did the idea? How did the idea come about? You know. Well, then it was something you and I were talking about one night, but I can't remember what. Mm-hmm. And I think it was you who said, how about an awful show? Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> or maybe I said it, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it just happened. Well, I'm still amazed at all the things you have found that, that, that aren't in reference. <laughs> Finding the things is a challenge in itself, isn't it? It's a what? Finding the show. Finding the show oh. is a talent by itself. What a look. Oh, my gosh. Well, my ears are talented anyway. <laughs> just yeah, just many of them are not in reference to Dunning or anywhere else. And I guess a lot, I guess, of course, the Internet has made it a lot easier than it would have been 30 years ago when you had to buy tapes from dealers. Yeah. You would have known necessarily oh where gosh. to find the, the you know, shows. Yeah. The, um... 
archive.org mm-hmm. has two or three files that are listed alphabetically, and it's called singles or doubles. And when you get down to a single show that's available, there's often a reason why there's only one that survived. Mm-hmm. So I pick on them, and occasionally I'll come up with one that is, may I call it dreadful? Well, once in a while you'll pick one that people know, but, but a particular episode was bad. You, there was a mysterious traveler, of course, and it was that infamous suspense show, Weekend at the Glebes. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they're shows that people either have not heard of, or they were auditions or tryouts, mm-hmm. never made the air. Yeah, the tryouts or the auditions are great. Yeah. Why advertisers yeah. never bought them? I guess you can. Um, but 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 if anyway, that the, the internet has made it a lot easier to find than it used to be. Oh, may I ask a bu- oh, may goodness, may yes. may I ask a brilliant question of the panel? Okay. <laughs> and I will give you a brilliant <laughs> answer. What? Why are so many awful shows been released? In other words, wouldn't you think the producer director? At the here, the finished project says that is so awful. Why should I spend the money putting it on the air? Well, I don't think anyone deliberately sets out to make an awful show. No. I mean, no. And I don't know if they had the ability to do anything other than home recordings. If the audition didn't go anywhere, they broke the mold, and that was the end of that. But people recorded this stuff. And I think that's how we got so many awful auditions. Okay. And, and, they, but, they, and but, you know, but, they were to networks and advertising agencies and syndicators and. But mm-hmm. but some of these series that Patricia have connect have had a sometimes a, a run of thirteen weeks or a, a year or yes. so, and I'm asking why. I'm asking why. Why do you think they let them go that far before they met their death? Well, I often I often wonder that myself, and I go to OTRR, mm-hmm. and periodically I'll, I'll do that, and I'll pick a letter and go through every single item on the list. I'll pick S, for example, and, I'm, you know, there's always a bunch of S's out there. But I listen to the ones that sound a little weird in the title. <laughs> and sometimes they're really good, and sometimes I hit <laughs> well, the two best sources, two sources that I found that are interesting, not necessarily for awful shows, but for show information. One, of course, is the Radio Gold Index. Mm-hmm. The other one yeah. is a site called the Digital Daily. Yes, I've heard of that. I don't. I, I did visit that one time, and it seemed, from to my memory anyway, it seemed like it was difficult to navigate. Well, the Digital Daily is interesting because they have a lot of logs where you get the episode titles, and they will even mm-hmm. quote from the newspapers at the time, say shows from the 50s. Uh, they might give the newspaper account of what time the show was on, and if there's a review in the paper, it might quote a line from it. Yeah. Certain shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Gold Index is fascinating in to find out just how many shows there were. I mean, just going through his list of the names of shows. It's amazing to think, yeah. it's amazing to think 
how much people love to do research, and we have benefited from it. Agreed. Yeah. Well, Dunning said, you know, when he did the second book, and he probably felt the same way on the first book, that, you know, he, he did say in your interview with him that he had to, that when the second book was published, he had to leave some series out of the book for space. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see what series that are not in there. Now, Alex McNeil has written a book called Total Television. And that, there's Tim Marsh and Ken Brooks, or Jim Brooks, uh, Marsh and Brooks, I don't remember the first names, did a book, a directory of primetime TV. But Mr. McNeil's Total Television, and it was published, various editions, it may be online now, not only covers primetime, but daytime, Saturday mornings, specials. It's the definitive television reference guide. Total television. Yeah. Uh, thousands of shows listed. Um, when they premiered, a brief over some 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 shows gets more space than others. But he will he will mention you know the the premiere date, the termination date, the general plot line of the show if it was a drama or a mm-hmm. comedy. Sometimes ca- mostly cast members, but total television. If you want to do a television book, and I guess Malton's the best source for movies, right? Motion pictures. <laughs> we're we're out of my league when it comes to movies. Yeah, well, I've never, you know, we, I got my parents Malton's movie book because they wa- did watch movies on television. Ah, oh, good. And I guess it's a quick reference guide for when you want to find out just basically what a given movie was about. It's, and, of course, there are Leonard Maltin's opinions. What I wonder is, has he had time to watch all of these movies? I thought he has a team that sort of helps him now. Uh-huh. I, I think they have a team that helps him now. I don't know. At the beginning, he probably did it all by himself. But eventually, as busy as he is with entertainment tonight. Yeah, I think he's got a team that he works with. Yeah. But he generally gives just a quick overview of a movie, you know, the cast and the overview. And he does the same things like I do with books, you know, the stars. He gives them their stars. Um, and I don't think every movie ever made is in his book. I think no, it's ones no. that you and see on TV. What some people upset because new movie come eventually he has to let some of the older ones out. <gasps> because, you know, the publisher only allowed the book to go so far, so big. Do you think you'll eventually put it online? I think eventually, sure. That, that might sense. be a way where you can get everything, mm-hmm. you know, listed. Maybe we can get Patricia. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe we can get Patricia a job. She can watch movies for a living. What do you think? Oh, I don't think. So. Okay. <laughs> it's more fun. It is more fun, isn't it, Patricia, to do the? If you had a choice between television, movies, or radio, it's more fun to review the radio shows, isn't it? I agree. Yes. Yes, indeed. Because movies, you know, are well, movies are movies, mm-hmm. and you like some better than and TV. And you said once to me uh, several years ago that you much radio as a as an entertainment medium. So now, since you've discovered it, is far more satisfying than television ever was. Absolutely. It really is. It, it's got 
such color in it because we're allowed to do what we want with it. And it still amazes me to this day that none of the attempts to revive radio since 1962, and there have been some noteworthy attempts, mm-hmm. Theater 5, the CBS Mystery Theater, Sears, while they were all noble, none of them have lasted. And the public just never seemed to want to hear radio and drama anymore. Yeah. Does that surprise you? No. Because of the age of the people, um, and I, right now it even includes grandmas and grandpas and anybody who's alive, they do with the boxes and the iPods and the, you know, it's all electrical and they like fast. They like fast. If they haven't seen anything, that they want on an internet page in three seconds, they're on to another one. Well, my brother and I were talking about, you heard the news that, is it Barnum and Bailey, or they're closing the circus, if I understand it they right? Are. They are. Yes, they are. And my brother said, today's, today's kids, my brother and I were talking about it on the phone, today's kids, a circus would be very boring compared to video games. Oh, sure. Oh, my goodness, yes. And one of the things that they cited in the closing statements about the closing is that they are not attracting new customers. So does that mean the circus? Are there other circuses still in business? The Shriners? Don't they have a circus still? What they're planning to do, you'll start seeing small groups, not the big spectacular, because... It's a logistic nightmare to find places that will hold the tents and everything, you know, so... Even when they move them to coliseums, I guess. Yeah, so, so, and you know, with all that equipment they move, they gotta be able to pay the bills to to do that, and so, they're, they're thinking you'll see really small groups go out. Well, how about things like rodeos, and how about... The ice cafes and ice follies, are those things still big, or have they sort of faded from... You don't hear them, they're still out there, but you don't hear them promoted in the general public. Not the way they used to be. No. Rodeos? Are rodeos still popular? I don't know about that, but the animals in general have been under more consideration than ever before, and that's why the elephants were going. Um, So rodeo, I mean, that's a brutal <laughs> that is just brutal between the horses and the bulls riding the bramble bulls i thought it was interesting when, when when the bottom and bale circus announced once the elephant attraction decided to retire well, not barnum and bailey it was ringling okay closing i'm glad you're there ringling brothers well bottom and bale was part of ringling brothers right right okay anyway when when Raylene Butters, <laughs> when Raylene Butters, and after the closing, one of the interesting thing they once they retired the elephant, the attendance really dropped. The elephants were a big attraction to people. Yes. Yes, sir. They've always been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who wants to see a poor elephant dressed in a tutu? You know, they're the smartest people. It's oh dear. But to remember, you know, I can remember they used to take us to the circus in school occasionally, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, 
some of the schools I was in, the Shrine Circus was always very popular. Right. Um, but I but the public, and I guess the thing is, boring. People get bored. I'm, I'm just amazed. I, I can remember my one of the places I used to live in when the daughter of my landlord got a book, and I don't even remember what book it was. She was about eight or nine, and she got a book that a neighbor or a relative gave her. She said, oh, boy, a book. <laughs> she, I don't know what she wanted, but, but it wasn't, you know, I'm sure if it was a video game, it would have excited her more. But the thing about the game is, once you play the game so many times, wouldn't it become boring, too, just playing the same game over and over? Well, nowadays, Jim, the new video games, Yeah, they don't, they don't have the same um, scenario. It changes scenarios all the time. Oh, so we can buy one game. Yeah. And then, like, a week later, it'll be a different scenario. No. A lot of them are now on, on you know, you hook up to the Internet. So every time, like, you could play the same game four or five days every day. It'll always be a different scenario. Oh, um, but the home video games, the ones that aren't on the internet, those can, can only go so far without repetition, right? Well, I assume so, Jim, but what, but I think most of the younger generation that I know that um, they're playing thing is generally hooked up to the internet, so it's, everything is new every time they go on. That's why they said uh, so many people play video games eight hours a day. Yeah. Oh, I can remember. I can remember Walden when, when Pac-Man and yep. those early video games came out. Donkey in Talk, like eighty or eighty-one. Eighty-one. I remember Donkey Talk, all those games. Yeah. Oh, I can remember Ira Fistel mm-hmm. was just in total. A caller was calling him defending video games, and Ira was talking about, you know, how how well he wasn't too much of a fan of video games, and a caller said, "Well, you learn coordination, you learn finger, you learn eye." You learn eye exercises, and, and that didn't impress Ira too much. <laughs> well, we know Patricia's a video game player, aren't you, Patricia? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess if people enjoy it but, it, but it's sad that it's affected other aspects of the culture, those of us that like other things. Mm-hmm. I guess if it doesn't sell or it doesn't catch on with the public, it goes away. Economics is a driving factor to a lot of that things, you bet. Yeah. Well, anyway, I have to, my voice is beginning All right, to, Jim, we'll talk to you next week. <coughs> so it's always a pleasure, Patricia. I'll keep you posted on things. Thank you. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Bye. You have a good week, Jim. Thanks for calling. The adorable one is here. She's here. She s- is. She, she's here Saturday okay, night. Time for your question, Walden. All right, my dear. Should we take any more calls or, or what? Mm, no, it's getting kind of late. That's what I thought. And I want to make sure you get all your questions with the least amount of stress. And we got my in- we got your interview coming up next. That's true. All right, family. Here, here she is, the keeper of the question. The the, the keeper of the question. The, we the, always give when, except when I forget, <laughs> <laughs> one of the questions or two or three. I think I have done. Did I do? Miss three of them one night? I don't recall that ever happening. Oh, Walden, you know I have missed some. And I'll go to <laughs> Walden will say, oh, I'll take my geography question. And I'll look and say, 
I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take my first lady question. I don't think so. <laughs> them all tonight. All right. Okay. So, are we ready? We've got a Stump Walden question, mm -hmm. a brain teaser, your colonial question, your presidential quote, your presidential question. Oh, my goodness. We've got a lot of answers on that one. Your mm. baseball question and your geography question. Seven of them tonight, everybody. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We got the whole set. Is that the whole mess? Yeah. Yep. That, that's the whole mess. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, which of that mess would you like first? I would like to try the colonial question, my dear. Your colonial question? Ooh, mm -hmm. this one, yeah, I, I hunted for this one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How long was the Stamp Act in force? Oh, 1754 to seventeen. Fifty-six, maybe. So I would say three years. Twelve months. Oh, even shorter! Wow. Uh huh. It was um, the Stamp Act was passed mm -hmm. by the Brits, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, the British. Uh, you know, I I abbreviate everything. I'm sorry. Um, the Stamp Act was passed on March twenty-second, seventeen sixty-five. Oh, I was wrong. Okay. And the British government repealed it March 1776. Wow. They really got stung by the Patriots. They did. One. They did. So they they did something smart and backed off it. No, I don't think it was soon enough. <laughs> I think the only thing that could have rescued them on this thing was not passing it at all. But anyway, okay, so you got your colonial question. My presidential quote. Your presidential quote. Okay. I am going to tell you a presidential quote, and then, never mind, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what it, what it goes to in a minute. Okay. Who said, the fact that my 15 minutes of fame has extended a little longer than 15 minutes is somewhat surprising to me and completely baffling to my wife. <laughs> I have, an, I have a, a sarcastic answer to this one. Go for it. I bet Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think she was very politically astute. Of course, she was that, but really quite involved in the sense that she never turned down anything that was historical. She just, and she loved politics. So, I don't know. No, <laughs> never mind. That wasn't the answer. Oh, gee. I'm sorry. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. Nope. Harry S. Truman. Nope. Lyndon Johnson. Nope. That's four of them, so I'll let you say I'm done. Go ahead. You're finished. Yes. With Barack Obama. Wow. I never. I don't remember no. that one at all. Wow. Okay. I don't remember hearing that one, but he did have a good sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't surprising to me that he said this. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So while we're talking about the 15 minutes of fame, who said, in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes of fame? 
Benjamin Franklin. No, <laughs> you're so good. You're really, you, I mean, you're hitting really good names, but it's not. They're wrong. Hmm. I put in two words on that. I'll have to take them out. In I don't the future, know. Every, mm -hmm. Go huh? ahead. Go ahead. Okay. In the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Winston Churchill. No. I don't know. This, this it, it's not even a political answer. It was Andy Warhol. Oh, okay. And I don't know what the context was, mm -hmm. but that was one of his famous sayings. In the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes, and that was it, that was the relationship to the 15 minutes of fame. Sure. That um, Barack Obama talked about. So that's fun. Nice. That was fun. Yeah. Okay, what's next? My first lady whatever. Your first lady whatever. Okay. Let us see here. First, now wait a minute. I know I've got her in here. Just a minute. Um, um, your presidential question. And? I know I have something for her. Colonial question, presidential question, presidential quote. Wait. Well, then I don't think I have her in here. Oh, and I thought I remembered all of them. I have to go back to school. I'm sorry, you don't have a first lady anything in here. <laughs> okay, well, well, you can read me something from... Who wrote the article and who wrote a new paper column during 1936? A newspaper column starting in 1936. Um, I would say Franklin P. Adams. 1936. What 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 we're talking about? Uh, female, what woman? A woman? Oh, first lady question. Oh, 19... 1936. Yeah. Would, no, 35. Yes, 36 would be Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, you're so good. There's, there's our, there's our first lady. There's Except our first one. Yeah. She had one show at the end of the year mm -hmm. in 1935. Well, what can I say? She what did does it. That mean? I know. She did it. But 1936 is the usual year mm -hmm. that you hear that she started her column. Right. And um, I left off with you in March, though. I have to, yeah, mm -hmm. have to get going on April. But the listings that I found, the actual columns that I found, have one straggler from 1935, not, seen, not 1936. So, so now you can rewrite U.S. history. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay. What else? Well, I bought my baseball question. Your baseball question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Davey Winfield, mm -hmm. Hall of Fame outfielder, playing for the Yankees at the time, was arrested. Mm -hmm. What was he arrested for? By throwing a baseball and hitting a seagull. You're absolutely right. There was a big competition back and forth about was it an accident or did he do it on purpose? Right. 
and there were a lot of people who said they did it on purpose. And this was up in However, Tor- Toronto, Canada, I think, everybody. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the manager, Billy Martin, except the Yankees, did they play in Canada? Yeah, they 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 would play the Toronto Blue Jays that day. Uh huh. Oh my goodness! I did not know that. Anyway, Yankees Billy <laughs> Yankees manager Billy Martin questioned whether or not Winfield possessed the necessary accuracy to hit the bird. He said, "Cruelty to animals." That was the first time he hit the cutoff man all year. <laughs> so I don't know who prevailed on that. Um, Claimed that he did the bird. Nope. Yep. They didn't tell me what the answer was. Do you know who? What what the answer was? Did he do it deliberately and get fined or? No, and never knew they resolved that. I think it pretty much now more people think it was an accident. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I think he was pretty mean. <laughs> <laughs> when I say mean, um, you know the well. He was an outfielder, a pitcher. I might give credit for picking something out of the sky. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? I don't see why he would try to hit a, a little bird, but that's just me. No. Oh yeah, you're too kind to do these kinds of evaluations. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. Yeah. Okay, what else? My brain teaser. Your brain teaser. Do you know I sat and pondered over this and pondered over this, and I finally looked at the answer, and I slapped my head upside and said, oh, I should have known that. Okay, the brain teaser. A boy is walking down the road with a doctor. While the boy is the doctor's son, the doctor is not the boy's father. Who is the doctor? These questions are brought to you by Yesterday USA and Walden Hughes. I can't May you read that again? May you read that one again for me, please? Of course, of course. A boy is walking down the road with a doctor. While the boy is the doctor's son, the doctor is not the boy's father. Who is the doctor? Read that part where the boy is the doctor's son, mm-hmm. but the doctor is not the boy's father, right? That is correct. That is absolutely word okay. perfect. Okay, yes. so so the boy was walking down the street with two doctors. One of them just be happened to be no, the daddy said, and the other. No, it, no, it just said <laughs> a doctor. I'm sorry. Here we go. Weasel words. <laughs> Well, one was his, uh, was his foster father. No. One was his adopted son. No. Um, one, the doctor disowned the boy during the walk. Excuse me? Boy, I love the ones you come up with. <laughs> well, be content that we should both have known this. <laughs> Neither one of us did. Are you ready? I'm ready. The doctor the boy was walking with was his mother. 
was a doctor. Oh. You, you went through, and I thought, oh, geez. Oh, geez. You too. Oh, geez. You too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, what's next? Um, my financial question. Your presidential question. Jeez, I hope I have it. <laughs> okay. I have it. I have it. Um, see, I've got two really good ones. Okay. Why did Ulysses S. Grant enter West Point Military Academy under a fraudulent name? Because he couldn't get in under his own name? Well, he didn't want to use... I guess, no. <clears throat> no. No, it was not his fault. They screwed up his ID card. Darn close. I don't know. My dear, you got me. Well, he entered West Point Military Academy as Ulysses S. Grant, rather than his birth name of Hiram Ulysses Grant. It said, after the Congress, oh, here it is, after the congressman who wrote his recommendation, which has to happen, mm -hmm. um, wrote his name down wrong. Rather than risk not being accepted, Grant simply changed his name and was known as Ulysses S. Grant <laughs> afterward. Isn't that fun? Very nice. And here's another little piece of information. Mm -hmm. What did the S stand for? Sam. Sam. No. <laughs> Where did that one come from? Maybe you better not tell me. <laughs> Your okay. Uncle Sam. No, what, what, what's the answer? Oh, oh, no. Mm -mm. Okay, I'm ready. I don't know. Okay, many people claim that the S stood for Simpson, his mother's maiden name. Most historians agree, however, that the S was simply a middle initial and didn't stand for anything. Uh, like how Harry about Truman. that? How about that? Yep. Yeah. Good old. You wish it. Yeah. Oh, gee, I had three really good ones. So I'm all set for next week. <laughs> you okay, get, what you, do we got? You just got to work on the rest of the categories. Well, my stump walling time uh, were on our last one. We are? Yeah. Oh, gee. Oh, no, you get your geography question, oh, too. Oh, okay. All right? I'm ready. Yes. Stump Walden. On Father Knows Best, what kind of work did Jim Anderson do? He's an insurance salesman. Oh, gosh. I lost you on that one. Wow. <gasps> okay. And then we've got your Ge geography? Uh-huh. Okay. Name three. Where was Central City located? In Central America. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> they must have said it at one time or another. I don't know, but it just, it just got, got thinking about uh, about the Aldrich family yeah. little town. Yeah. yeah, Illinois wound up the winner in many of them. Mm -hmm. They did. I wonder if there was special uh, something special about Illinois. That uh, or Indiana, rather, or both of them. Illinois, primarily. Mm -hmm. Was there something special about Illinois that made it so attractive? Well, my guess is because it was one of the radio hubs, so people probably thought it thought that way. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, you always make sense. 
Thank you, my dear. Fairy. Okay, your, your geography question. Yeah. I don't even know if it's fair, but I think it is. Mm -hmm. Name three of the five Great Lakes. Okay. The Ontario. Mm-hmm. The Michigan. Correct. Um, the Erie. Very good. That's your three. Do you oh. want to go for the other two? Um, hmm. I probably know them and once you hear them. Yeah, um, and it's hard. There are two we don't hear often. Like, uh, like, like Indian names kind of thing? There might be one uh -huh. that... One is Huron, and I would think that I that might be an Indian name. Yeah, I would not have remembered that one. And the other one? Uh, Superior. Yeah, Superior I might have gotten if I would... Mm -hmm. It was struck me. But you did. You yeah. answered the question. I am so proud of you. So, you got your geography question. Mm -hmm. You got your baseball question. Mm -hmm. um, you got your presidential question. Oh, no. Presidential. No, you didn't get that one. Mm -hmm. So, that's one for me. <laughs> <laughs> I got my stump your ball. Presidential huh? Yeah. Your presidential quote. You got that um, one. I got. I'm, I'm only two fingers here. <laughs> <laughs> your colonial question. Oh, colonial question and your brain teaser and, well, Father Knows Best you got. Yeah, so I got three so, I got three out of s s six or three out of seven. I'm almost three out of six. That's 50%. That's not passing. Did I? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> your Stump Walden question, brain teaser, colonial question. I think he had six tonight, and I got three of them. Presidential quote, mm -hmm. presidential question, um, baseball, mm -hmm. and geography. It was seven. Well, yeah, we, then, okay, then we, we, okay, so I got three out of seven. So that's, uh, that's not quite passing, but that's we in the running. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, you, you won. are. <laughs> you won, Patricia. You're the big grand, oh. grand oh. Papua. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's your Snoopy question. Right. Charles Schultz had a nickname that was given to him in childhood, and it was given to him by an uncle. What was the nickname? Spike. No. Hey, you? No. You'll recognize it as yeah. soon as I say it. Yeah. I'm trying to think of those old, char those old characters in, in the comic strips and uh, maybe W the letter P. Hmm. I don't know. Sparky. Sparky. You knew that. I know you knew that. Well, I don't know if I would have called that. That's very good. That's very good. Well, 
if I saw a multiple choice, mm -hmm. as they gave me to consider, <laughs> um, you know his his pet name was, or his nickname was not Snoopy, mm -hmm. it was not Fletcher, mm -hmm. it was not Chippy, mm -hmm. so I thought, well, let's fly with just Sparky. <laughs> okay? Very good. Okay, and Winnie the Pooh, and yeah. then you can have the microphone back. Okay. Winnie the Pooh. And you have to tell me if I already gave you this one. I just thought it was cute. When looking at your two paws, as soon as you have decided which one of them is the right one, then you can be sure the other one is left. I haven't heard that one. That's a wonderful one. Uh, isn't that cute? That's oh, wonderful. Such, yeah. such wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> okay. That's, that's all the trouble I can get into for tonight. Would you have been happy to men to have Pooh as your credit as your buyer as your, one of your one of your credits and your as an author? Um, no, I'd like to hug him and <laughs> go to bed with him at night. <laughs> no, do you know there have been several sequels, not huh. by Snoopy's uh, or Winnie the Pooh's daddy, mm -hmm. but um, so somebody out there thinks they can write, and they're actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. They match up with the personality very well. So that's one thing I'm hoping to get someday. I think there's somebody who's re read all the Winnie the Pooh books and or things and them very dramatically. I think it'd be fun to have those sometime. Yes. Maybe that's what we should ask Kelly is when her dad did the Winnie the Pooh record. <gasps> Good thinking. Thinking, well, she, if she's going to combat, you, you yeah. describe her, and she certainly sounds like it yeah. in her mm -hmm. response to you, that she's very bright and bubbly and yes. outgoing. Mm -hmm. um, I think if we only had two questions, we could fill up the interview <laughs> time. So I will add my thoughts, and I love Winnie the Pooh, um, and see what she, what she wants to take on. on to. Yeah. So, so put your yeah, thoughts. I think that Put your thoughts down on paper. We'll send it to her Monday morning. So. Okay, and then let her pick the ones. Please. Yes. Yeah. That would be good. And then I have to get you some questions about Sam. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh huh. Whenever you're ready for that. What's his last name? Crackhead. Craighead. Craighead. Uh huh. Oh. C R A I G H A E A D. Sounds right. Because <laughs> um, I called him Craig in my notes. Which yeah. Is, you know, <laughs> that is not the right thing. Yeah. Anyhow. Okay, let's coming up here. Oh, my poor dearie. Uh, well, Patricia will be with here. you, everybody, next Saturday night, the last Saturday of the month. I didn't okay. hear, I did not hear Shiver, the real light that almost. One third of the year done. Well, I, I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so that Quarter probably protects me. <laughs> I, you know, this is just awful. My week has been so trashed. You know, I woke up at 7 o'clock one day. You know, I really haven't felt well. Mm -hmm. And I woke up at 7 o'clock, and, and this was a couple of weeks ago when <laughs> I had a poopy day, too. And I just slept and slept and slept. And I heard the phone ring, and it's Barbara. She usually calls me at night. And I said, is everything okay? She says, sure. 
<laughs> it was her regular time at <laughs> 7 o'clock-ish. Mm-hmm. I was still asleep. Well, you get cashing up, my dear. That's what it is. And I looked at the clock and I said, <laughs> you know, when the phone rang, I looked at the clock and said, my gosh. I talked to Barbara. I said, you know, I don't remember that 7 o'clock is this dark. <laughs> she said, do you know it's 7 o'clock at night? <laughs> I said, mm, I do now. Mm, I do now. So, okay. I'm finished. All right, my dear. Well, thank you. thank you for being with me. Oh, thank you for having me and bailing me out. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's true. No, it's You remembered not. Blackstone. No, I was just lucky. Real, I was his, just... His uh, real name, yeah, his real name was Harry, yeah. but I couldn't remember his regular I, name. I just lucked, I just lucked out. Get out. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, he's so forgiving. Okay, I'm ready. Alright, so we're going to be featuring Patricia's interview with Paul Carnegie. Paul's <laughs> one of the last sound effects men of the Golden Days of Radio. With WWXYZ, the last voice of Cato on the Radio Green Hornet. And we had about 45 minutes with him. And so Patricia covered a lot of good territory. <laughs> And I loved his end. <laughs> there were two questions yep. there. Oh, no. I uh, I asked him a question. Yep. And his answer was, I don't know. I have to go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope we can have him back oh, fairly yeah. soon. He was, you know, he had great information. Yeah. But he had a sense of humor. Now, well, I know the poor man had to go yeah. because I tend to take everything I can get. <laughs> And I got too much. <laughs> so, so that was his comment. Yeah. I don't know, and I have okay. to go. <laughs> okay. All right, Patricia. I will talk to you soon, my dear. Oh, thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. All right, family. We're going to walk over and start the interview. So, please, stand by. Jaws Professional 03172017 Windows M Desktop Folder M Miscellaneous M My Documents Enter Docket Woody Herman Party Patricia Frist PC on Patricia 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 Paul Carnegie Interview Saturday Paul Carnegie Interview Unloading Jaws Can OK Enter Doc Hi everybody I'm Walden Hughes and hello Patricia Hello, Walden. Uh, this is going to be a really special thing for me, and I, I can't wait. Anyone who listens to us on Saturdays knows how much I love, respect, and enjoy the sound effects people. They just added everything to the show, and I've been fascinated with it for so long. And guess what? We have Paul Carnegie with us, 
who was a sound effects man or a sound man. I learned that, and we'll get to the women before we get to the end of the list. Paul Carnegie, who was the sound effects person for many of the XYZ programs. We know the Lone Ranger started there, and we had Fred Foy. Maybe I should ask you about Fred Foy, too. Um, Sergeant Preston of the Yukon, the Green Hornet. Um, he, he was just all over the place and in uh, the XYZ studio. So we're going to talk about sound effects tonight, and I just love it. Paul, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. I appreciate having the chance to talk to you. It's a lot of fun to talk about sound effects, and I mean, let's face it, most of us love to talk about ourselves, and I'm no exception. So <laughs> That's great. Paul, you have got such a rich, vibrant voice. Did you ever do any um, acting in front of the microphone? Well, very limited. As a matter of fact, I did some acting if you want to call it that, I read a few lines uh, for uh, 26 programs, as a matter of fact. Mm. And those 26 programs were the last 13 weeks that the Green Hornet was on the air. Okay, and because it was on twice a week. And uh, I had the pleasure, and in fact, at my age, I was scared to death to do it, but I did it. I, I was Cato on the Green Hornet for the last uh, 13 weeks of the, of the run of the Green Hornet program. Interesting. Now, was that the, the only experience that you had in front of the microphone? I can't imagine that it was. Well, in that respect, and then, you know, after that, I left and found other things to do and then got back into the radio business and was very active in radio in Detroit. Uh, you know, worked at several different stations and stations in the area, and notably, people that may be out there in your particular neck of the woods would not be aware of it, but I worked for a station, WKNR, in Detroit was Keener 13, mm -hmm. and we that was from the, in the 60s. Uh, we were a top 40 station. Actually, we played 31. That was our top 31 plus some album cuts, and it was the number one station for a long, long time in Detroit. Uh, big, big, important, you know, fun thing to do at a fun time in the radio business in the 60s in Detroit. Who could ask for anything more because we had Motown there, you know? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, of course, that was the Beatles' time, too. So it was the heyday, if you will, of, of rock and roll. And so even to this day, you know, there are stations all over the country that play oldies, you know, and that's what they're playing, much of the stuff from the 60s. So and I was on the air there, and I was the program director also at, at WKNR in Detroit mm -hmm. uh, until 1970. And then uh, I, I had some partners. We actually uh, had the, the, the great time of building a radio station in Peoria, Illinois, where I still happen to be living, actually, at East Peoria. And I put a station on the air, and we operated that station for several years and before we sold it. So, yeah. And then I've done a lot of, you know, voiceovers and things like that uh, in the area. Uh, you know, Peoria is the home, at least for a while, is going to be the home of uh, Caterpillar tractor company, and so I've done quite a bit of work for tractor, describing how these machines work and things like that. So, yeah, yeah I've been on the air quite a bit. It sounds like it. My gosh. I wish I were there with a pencil walking behind you. Oh, my goodness. You, I mean, really, Walden will tell you the truth on this, that every once in a while I say, oh, Walden, we have to talk with someone from the sound effects area, and he, he found you. I am just so delighted. We are talking with Paul Carnegie who is an old-time radio sound effects man um, and many other things. I think I'll have to, you know, you just, you just did everything. Our family, who listens to us on Saturday nights, 
knows the Lone Ranger back and forth, loves Sergeant Preston of the Yukon, can give you Green Hornet information from beginning to end. So you are very much in familiar territory here for us. We are not able to take phone calls because this is being pre-recorded. This is not a live um, interview. So what you'll have to do for our listeners, if you have questions, send them to me, and I'll give you my address at the end, and I will pass them on to Paul. Is that good? I look forward to that. Oh, good. Okay. Tell me how you began your career as a sound effects artist and <laughs> well, when. There's quite a story here. You know, okay. sometimes it, it just happens to know the you have to know the right people, the right things happen to you. Um, I lived in Detroit. Um, as a matter of fact, when I graduated from high school, my first job out of high school was in radio for a very short period of time. Uh, you know, 17 years old out of high school and trying to do a morning show and couldn't get up in the morning, so I got fired. And so I, I, that was in WHLS in Port Huron. Came back home uh, just for a week or two, and my girlfriend, who had actually just lived up the street from me, she, sa- she said, you know, my, my dad was talking with Fred Wolf's wife now. Her dad was a podiatrist. Fred Wolf was the morning DJ at WXYZ. And Fred Wolf's wife was a patient of, of, the, of the doctor. And she had told the doctor, and he had passed on to his daughter, that Fred Wolf was a little upset because his record spinner had been drafted to go in the Army. Hmm. Now, at that time, DJs didn't play their own records. They actually had somebody who played the records for them, the record spinner, who also played the commercials and all the things that were part of the morning program. He was being drafted. So there's a potential job at WXYZ. I immediately went down to WXYZ uninvited, <laughs> met the program director, introduced myself, and said, I'd like to apply for that job. He said, well, I'm sorry. That job has been taken by our office messenger. Would you like that job? Well, sure. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, Foot in the door type of thing. Sure. Well, WXYZ at that time Actually, the radio station was not where the main office was. All the bookkeeping and all the other things was done at a building in downtown Detroit. So my job was to twice a day to take all the information from the studio to the office and pick up the stuff from the office and bring it back to the to the radio station. WXYZ also had a TV station. They had a messenger from the TV station also who ran back and forth. So here I am at WXYZ where they do the Lone Ranger program in Sergeant Preston. And that's where all the actors were. And the way the building was set up, it had, actually the building was originally a big mansion, the Mendelssohn Mansion, giant building with rooms all over the place that became various studios and offices and what have you. And it, downstairs in the basement was the, the lobby, pardon me, the, the lounge, if you want to call it that, <laughs> where the actors spent their time between rehearsals and what have you. Because... The Lone Ranger program was an all-day affair. It started early, at like 11 o'clock in the morning, and it went on all day long with rehearsals and what have you, and then break for, for, for dinner before the program. And so I was there rubbing shoulders all the time with the actors and with Chuck Livingston, Charles D. Livingston, who, of course, you know, was the director of the Lone Ranger program. And what happened, I was there for a couple of months in that particular job, and lo and behold, it was Korean War's time, wartime. I hadn't been drafted yet. <laughs> but anyhow, 
one of the sound effects men for the Lone Ranger was drafted. And here, who's got his hand up right here <laughs> saying, me, 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 I'd like to take that job. Chuck said, okay, you want the job, it's yours. So I became a sound effects man, if you will, for the Lone Ranger program. And that was how I got into that particular you know, job at that particular station. Uh-huh. When was that, Paul? Yeah, it was fun, you know, and that's the thing, as they say, at that time I was 18, a pretty exciting time for an 18-year-old to be, you know, involved in the Oh, my the gosh, for 108 years, 108 years old, it would have been exciting. Paul, do you recall what time period, because the, the Lone Ranger ran forever. Where in that time When, when was I there? Okay, uh-huh. 1950 to 1952. Okay. okay. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> Is that... How you got into this, uh, Kismet plays a huge role in some things, but my goodness, you were there and said, pick me, pick me, I am too cool for you to pass up. Um, would you describe a typical sound effects area in the studio? Sure, in? sure, I'd be happy to. In that particular situation, whether it's typical or not, it was the way we did it, and we always liked to brag, and we did get recognition that the sound effects that we did were really well done. And I will tell you, there is something that I found amazing, and even to this day, I am just totally amazed by the perfection, if you will, of, of every single production that was ever done there by, by Trendle Company, you know, Trendle mm-hmm. Muir, what have you, Trendle Campbell Muir, uh, the Ranger, all those, with the actors, with the sound effects department. I mean, we didn't make mistakes. You know, it was just, it was just perfection every single time. Uh, the way that was set up, the building was as a mansion. We were in what I think had been the library of, of the building, a very large uh, room with big, big drapes, uh, carpeting. The microphone was one microphone for the actors, was suspended in the middle of the room, right hanging down. And adjacent to that was another room that was the sound effects room, it had been the conservatory or some such thing, it had had uh, glass block. And between the two rooms was a little hallway with a door at each end. And all the sound effects that were done in, in terms of horses, buggies, rain, and uh, steps, things like that, were all done in that particular studio. Uh, there were four sound effects men, well, three actually there all the time. And I'll tell you, where the, I was the fourth. And I went between that room and the studio. I was responsible for studio effects also, which were things like had to be coordinated with the actors so that their efforts and my sound were coordinated. Like the proverbial, here comes the big fight, and the punch, the sock on the jaw, mm-hmm. I had to make the sock on the jaw sound at, the, at that, you know, to coordinate with the effort of the Lone Ranger going, and the bang at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, handcuffs, things like that. I, you know, if it was anything, anything like that where there was sound we had to coordinate, that was my job. And then when it was time for horse hooves, I would go into the sound effects room to join the other three who were in there, and we would do the horse hooves and things of that particular nature. That's the way it was set up. The room in between, the little hallway I mentioned, had a door at both ends. There was a a large door at the sound effects end that was used not so much on the Ranger program because of the time of the year, but uh, for like for other programs, like even like even with the Green Horn, a door that was the door sound that we used. It was a full size door, mm-hmm. and 
at the studio end of the little hallway were two lo- was a large door. And in sound effects and in radio, let's put it in that context, you know, the, sound, the, the action is on mic or off mic, right? So the actors would be talking, potentially there would be sound in the background off mic. So if there was a door in question, the way we had to do this to make it sound just right, if the door was off mic, then that large door would be opened so that the sound of the door at the little end of the other little hallway would be picked up by the microphone in the actor's studio. If it was a the micro, if the door was on mic, I would close the big door so that there'd be no sound coming into the actor's microphone. Does that make any sense to you? It does, and Good. it's scaring me. <laughs> okay. And so my job, I had to make sure that door was opened or closed or whatever. That's one of the yeah. things I had to do, you know. And you, you were physically apart from the actors who were, of course, working from scripts. Did you work from scripts also? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Had a script. Sure. Um, oh, all right. Sure. I'm starting because to feel a little bit it, better yeah, here. I had to know what to do. And right underneath the microphone, as a matter of fact, I mentioned this. That's pretty important. There was a little table, and I would put my script on that table, if I had to do sound effects, because like uh-huh. if I had to sock somebody in the jaw, I couldn't hold on to a script at the same time. So I'd put my, my, I'd put my script on that table, and I'd do my sound effects and pick up my, my script and do whatever I had to do. I'm, I'm going to little little anecdote, a little fun thing that yeah. people find fascinating. One of my jobs uh-huh. as the studio sound man related to Tonto. <laughs> okay. Tonto was John Todd, as you well know. Yes. Right? And John Todd, in the early 50s, was no kid. He was, I think, in his 70s at that particular time. And the way the studio was set up, in one corner, Brace Beamer, and the opposite corner was John Todd. They each had their chair in each in, a, in opposite corners because they always worked across from each other. Right? Mm-hmm. They were always in that relationship. Well, John, sometimes between the, the various scenes he had to be in, would doze off literally would fall asleep. <laughs> One of my jobs was to make sure John was awake to do his lines. <laughs> okay. okay. On, on my script, I would have, you know, written in like on the page before John to make sure that he was up for the, for the next oh, page. Oh, gosh, that, that's funny. Now, I, a, a lot of people counted on you for doing this because if he were asleep through his lines... It wouldn't be very good. It would not be good at all. Like I said, no mistakes. It would interrupt everything. Now, in case you're interested, and I bet you are, about the sound effects, of course, that, you know, the the sound of the horse hooves was something that was a certain cadence that had to be created. And I had, it takes a while. It took me a couple of weeks, literally, to get the cadence of of the horse hooves to be exactly right. Mm -hmm. And we had this large box, if you will, with dirt in it. And we used, uh, in each hand, we each had two plungers, little small plungers. You've seen them, I'm sure, you know, toilet plungers. Sure. That's what we used for the horse hooves. And we had coconuts cut in half that we would use if we were going across like a uh, stony type of situation. So we'd mm-hmm. have that, that kind of sound. We used coconuts to create that sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, rain was a fun one, too. We actually had a bathtub in, in the sound effects room. <laughs> And in the bathtub, we had we had a, 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 some boxes, and on the boxes we would put newspaper, and we had suspended above the boxes on a, on a rack was one of these old-fashioned 
bathroom uh, shower type things with the rubber hose and, oh, okay, and the I know. big head. Uh-huh. And we would turn that on, and the water would fall on the newspapers. It would give it that sound of rain falling. And then there would be a dripping sound off the side, so it actually would sound like, you know, the real thing. And it was really like rain, if you will. That was the way we created the yeah. sound of, of rain to get the, the best wateries instead of using records for things, things like that. How about thunder that went along with the rain? Now, there was also a record. There was a guy also, one of our sound effects men was actually in the control room with uh, Chuck Livingston, and he did all the recorded sound. And so we actually had five of us doing sound, and he was doing the recorded. He's the one who would have the music going, the gunshots, and a few other things that, that had, like the bugle when the, when the cavalry was coming up on, mm-hmm. to save everybody. That was, that was his job. And uh, a man named Fred Flowerday was the assistant director, he would also help on occasion with uh, the because sometimes it'd be too much to do for one man. He had five turntables to work with, and that still he'd have to have two people up there doing the recorded stuff to keep the music going and what have you, and back time it too. Like the music for the themes had to be what they call back timed. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, you know it's going to end at a certain time. You had to start it at exactly at a certain time. So that Fred would do that more often than not. He'd have the the music queued up and then exactly the right second start the record for the music, wow. even though it wasn't on the air necessarily. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I, I have two questions. I don't want to leave the studio hallway. I wrote down a note on that, and then we started talking about the really interesting stuff that followed. Okay. The hallway makes me think that the sound effects people, except for you because you were running back and forth, that... The sound effects team in the studio at the end of that little hallway could not see the actors. Oh, no, we couldn't see the actors at all. When we were in the sound room, we couldn't see the actors at all. No, we didn't see them. Now, that little hallway was also used for crowd noises in the background. Ah, okay. Some of the actors, we'd go, I'd go in there too with them, you know, and we'd be be talking about, you know, whatever, like, sounded appropriate. You know, this was some of the sound for, like, the tavern or what have you. Mm-hmm. We'd, we'd be in a little hallway off mic, right? But no, we, the other, we could never see, when we were in the sound room, we could not see the actors at all. Didn't have, didn't have to see them. Because I was in the studio to work with them as necessary. Uh-huh. My goodness. So the My horses, goodness. like Chuck Living, we knew from what was going on. Uh-huh. We had, you know, the, the two of them actually had earphones so they could hear what was being done. Okay. You know, they actually heard what was happening. Okay. And, you know, we'd watch Chuck Livingston for cues, too, you know, do this, do that at a certain uh-huh. time. Okay. And he, you... we could see him because where he sat, he could see into the sound room, he could see into the actor's studio. Ah, uh, he, he had the bird's eye seat. He had a bird's eye seat, exactly. Got it. Okay. You're answering a couple of my questions. Before I even get to ask them, this is great. Um, and you're putting them in better order than I had them. Um, Paul, just a comment in here. You had, and the other members of the team, had a tremendous responsibility to enhance or propel a show with sound that was realistic. It had to create an image in people's minds. Yes, well, that's what they call radio, right? Studio of the mind or theater of the mind, whatever it is. Theater of the mind, yes. Now, that's a tremendous responsibility. Um, I'm not telling you anything new, but as an outsider, it just boggles my mind that something, that a misstep in the sound effect can affect the entire show that's going to be recorded that day or is being recorded that day or delivered live. 
No, we didn't record anything. Everything this was, was live. This was all live. Okay. I'll wow. tell you something, too, that people find very unusual and, and, and just surprising. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which was Lone Ranger days, mm-hmm. we did two Lone Ranger programs. What, she says? Yeah. We did two. Yes. We were in Eastern Time in Detroit. At 7 o'clock until 7.29.30, we did a program without sponsorship. The opening was just music. That'd be the, you know, Fred would do his thing. Uh-huh. There'd be a music interlude. And then in the middle of the program, there'd be a music interlude. And near the end, a music interlude. And those were recorded. Okay. And those were sold to stations that did not have a network attachment or network affiliation. And they could insert local advertising in mm-hmm. those times of the music interlude. How so we we do that program. We'd have a thirty second break uh-huh. at exactly seven thirty. Boom, 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 boom. We start all over again. Do the whole all thing all over, over again. again. Now there was a minor difference in the timing of the programs because the commercial program was different than the non-commercial program. So when we were doing our the original rehearsals, as far as time is concerned, what Chuck would do would figure out how much time he had to make difference, and we would cut out a few lines and maybe a, a part of a scene for the second program to give it more time for commercials and what have mm-hmm. you. So we'd have this boxed out and we'd, and the first program we'd do all of it. Second program we'd scratch off these various parts of the, of the, of the, the script and do a, do a slightly different show. Mm-hmm. Was, this, what, was the or, I was going to say, the script writers or the script writer in the studio with you so that the lines would no, already no, be... No, 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 no. He was not. If there was any changes, they were right there in the building. They were up, upstairs on the second floor during rehearsals. Uh-huh. If there was something we needed, you know, some more, we need a couple more lines for this scene or what have you, we need Got more to, to fill it out. We just go, they go upstairs and say uh, to, you know, whomever, Tom Dougal or, what was it, McCarthy was another one. Uh... Several different writers whose names I can't remember right now. Who would they would be right there? And of course, um, um, who was the boss writer? Help me with this. Frank Stryker. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he was there too. So we had somebody who could write some things in, but they didn't to to, to oversee the program. Mm-hmm. That was that was Chuck Livingston. That was his job, and he did it. I was just wondering, Paul, why didn't you have two separate scripts? If you had the one. For the recorded show, wouldn't it be easier to have a second script marked up for the, the uh, no. commercial? No, they, they, if it was easier, no one thought of it doing it that way. Okay. It was easier <laughs> just to have, on this particular page, we take out, you know, this part and just uh-huh. scratch it off. Uh-huh. It, it, was, it was fine. You know, we had, that way, nope, not so much paper, anyhow, to deal with. It. You wouldn't get the wrong script because you had it right in front of you, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, all and the scripts were all uh, on legal-sized paper. Ah, interesting. They're 14-inch. <laughs> if you lost one of them, you lost half your show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. In fact, that was one of our jobs in the sound department. We had to actually to uh, mimeograph the, uh, the the scripts. We would wow. come in in the morning, and that's one of the things we would do is make sure all the scripts were ready and everything. And um, as I mentioned, it was an all-day project because there was, there was rehearsals and rehearsals. and. Mm-hmm. 
would the sound effects ever have its own little label, like, this is for the Green Hornet door, or this is the, uh, the wind that we use for the Sergeant Preston? Did you have a little marking, just in case you didn't mix them up in a different show, or...? I didn't understand the question. I'm sorry, what, what was the question? Well, did you have little markings under certain sound effects? In other words, the, the, the Green Hornet had that, the Black Beauty had that thud, that certain, when they, when... When they closed the door, and when the black beauty took away, went off. We had a car door. For yeah, and then when on Sergeant Preston, the opening always had this big win. That was recorded. And so with the with the different, the, so those had a unique sound. What did they have markings saying this is only used for Sergeant Preston? This is only used for the Green Hornet, or uh, you, you guys didn't break it down into different shows. Yeah, well, the wind was, was done via recording. Mm -hmm. uh, as you well know, the footsteps in the snow, you know what that's done by. Right. 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 Starch in a box, in a, in a little bag, right? Yeah. Right. Is that what you use? That's what we did, too, you know? Right. It's like a canvas bag with starch, uh, with, uh, starch in it. We would squeeze the bag to give it that particular step. And, uh, you know, we were sometimes given jobs. To, to create sounds, I can't remember anything right now very specific except for one occasion. But what we would do, if something came up, something new and different, we would work on it, create it, and then we'd tell Chuck Livingston, Chuck, we've got it, Give it, see what you think. He would not watch us. He would cover his eyes. Ah, uh, okay. And let us do the sound. And he'd say, yep, okay, or nope, I don't like it. But he wouldn't watch us because he didn't want what he saw to influence his his hearing or his perception or the sound of it. So if you had to build something, would somebody go out and buy the material? Would they be down? What? We never really had to do anything like that. Uh -huh. I remember one time we were trying to create chopping ice, and we weren't happy with what we, I forget what we were using. We actually, it was during the winter, we went down to the Detroit River and got some ice. <laughs> And it didn't sound right. <laughs> and it was the real thing. Well, yeah, that that could be the case, you know, because it's what you hear, not what we're doing, but what yes, do you hear? Yes. What does it sound so, like? So for that particular one, Paul, how did you solve that problem? What did you come up with? I don't remember. Uh, oh, you know, I said, remember I said 1950, 1952. Yes, yes. But you know, some things stand out in people's minds, so I never miss an opportunity to ask. Yeah, you say right, next yeah. question, that's fine. When I think about how long ago that was, and I think about the people I work with, sometimes I wonder if there's anybody left who who's, you know, did things with me, you know, wow. or, or ever around that time. Certainly Not too nobody. many. Certainly nobody with your voice. My goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm picturing you as the Lone Ranger here. Well, interestingly I... enough, you know, my hero at that particular time was Fred Foy, obviously, uh, you know. Yes. And so... And, Back we were uh, just just a year ago we were at the showcase, and I had the, the chance to do some announcing, and someone said something, and I said, "Well, you know, I I spent a couple of years standing right alongside of Fred Foy, so I had a pretty good model of what to do and how to sound, you know." Uh -huh. Well, we had an opportunity, or Walden did many times. I had one opportunities to talk with Fred Foy, and his placed especially on the Lone Ranger, and that was great fun as well. So you're talking about someone who we're familiar with, and that's great fun for us to hear as well. 
Well, until I started digging around for information, I had the outlandish notion <laughs> that all sound effects were provided by one single person. Hello. Um, and I knew that some commercial recordings were used, but I also read one of Bob Mott's books who said that the commercial sound effects were not necessarily in any decent order, so that if the sound effects person wasn't familiar with the recordings, we might hear something like a train going through somebody's kitchen that should have been sizzling bacon. Is, is that a correct perception? What was the, what was the, the idea of a train doing what again? That if, um, if the sound effects person or the sound effects record was so discombobulated in terms of how the sequence of the sounds that were produced, if the sound effects man was not on top of where a train was, for example, and he yeah, dropped, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, could, he could, the wrong, could somebody the make wrong a mistake? Yeah. yeah, of course, you know. But again, I, I go back to what I said near the beginning of our conversation. Didn't happen. Did yeah. not happen. I, you know, I just can't recall hardly ever anything not being exactly the way it was. Once in a while, an actor might not say something totally clearly, you know. But other than that, we we just didn't have have those problems. Um, Everybody was, you know, rehearsed, did their job, experienced. Mm -hmm. That's something else, too. When you do this so many times a week for, for a long, long time, you get it down really well, you know. And, like, just uh, there could be a mistake, but it, it just didn't happen. And, again, we had people in the control room, like I mentioned. We had Bill Hanks to back the sound effects man. He was the recorded sound effects guy in Flowerday, and they took care of uh, and you can't really make a mistake like that. Just it's not permitted. <laughs> so we didn't do it. <laughs> Charles no Anderson would kill anyway. somebody. <laughs> Literally, he would beat them to death if, if they made any serious. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! Yes, I, I guess so. With that, he, he, I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating, but boy, if things weren't exactly the way he wanted, uh, you know, even if we did a sound that was was not the way he thought it should have been, mm -hmm. he'd give us a look like, mm, you know work on that guys that so, is fun now but I'm no there was it, in our business it took five sound effects men to produce the lone ranger sound effects wow uh, and you did two uh, on monday wednesday and friday you did two shows is yes. that correct well yes. oh, of course because you had to record the one that provided room for the commercials and yes. the other one was strictly sustained yeah so the, okay. the, the first one was sustained the second yeah. one was commercial right yeah wow. and they were you know, see they were both done live, but the first one was recorded for use by but later on, you know, mm -hmm. for other stations. Wow. You slept and, well that night. And, and talking about, you know, doing sound effects, too, like the horses had to be done live, could not be done on, on a record. Because you couldn't start them, you couldn't stop them, you couldn't yeah. go change the gait of them. Because, you know, when, when a horse is, is moving, he, he, there's different gates. We, mm -hmm. we had actually... We had him walking, we had him galloping, we had him trotting, we had him actually out and out running. So you'd have to have all these variables, the horse, you know, starting up and going, and then, whoa, 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 and the horse hooves stopping, and then this had to be done live. There's no way to get away from it. All right, now the next one might be the same answer as you just gave me for the train going through the kitchen, but... Um, was there ever a time that one of you had to cover for someone 
who didn't make it back from a break or got stuck in the bathroom? Anything like that? No, never happened. Never happened? No, never happened. No, My because, goodness. No, well, we were right there, you know, the, yes. downstairs yeah. and upstairs. And everybody had to be and was. These were professionals. These people have done this. This is the, a, a group of people who have been doing these programs for the most part for how many years? From the 30s at that point to the 50s, you know, for close to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much the same people. They knew they had their responsibilities. They're professionals. And, uh, again, I reiterate, things just went the way they were supposed to 100% of the time. Well, the show surely reflected that. They're, they're, I cannot pick up. I mean, 3,000 shows is a lot to listen to, but for all of the shows that I've listened to for The Green Hornet and The Lone Ranger especially, I never came across anything that would make people want to roll their eyes and say, uh-oh, I didn't do that well. I mean, it, well, it really sounded no, we, like... We prided ourselves, again, in being professionals, even though I started, you know, doing this when I was just a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, I was surrounded by these people, so through osmosis, if nothing else, I had to adopt, you know, and adapt. Yeah, and of course you were familiar with everything that was going on in that particular studio. Oh my goodness, you had a leg up on anybody who was walking in cold. (laughs) Exactly. My gosh. Okay, I want to know, well let me me tell people first that we are talking with um, Paul Carnegie, who was an old-time radio sound effects man. That was not all he did, but that's what we're talking about today. And he worked for... um, station xyz so that means that he did lone ranger sergeant preston the green hornet and he was also cato at the end of the green hornet series and that's a fun show i really like that one um so here we are with paul carnegie and i love sound effects so i'm going to keep him for dinner Tell me the kinds of cues that you in the sound effects area might have gotten from your director I guess that was in Livingston, right? I'm trying to think. Um, For the life of me, I'm having a problem thinking of that because um, as a sound sound department, well, like the horses, for instance, we would Mm -hmm. get a a cue on that. The music would fade down. He would give us a cue for the horses to to begin. Now, sometimes they would do a fade-in. Uh, you know, the engineer. There was another party who was the engineer mm-hmm. who actually controlled the microphones. He'd turn them on, turn them off. It'll bring our microphone up, turn our microphone down, things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so that actually he was he was there in the control room also. Uh, there may be that occasion where we were all set to go, and he'd give us the cue when we start the hoos and they'd maybe fade them in, fade them out. He, okay. You know, that, and he could give us the cut that we don't have to do it anymore, you know, that we're done. You know? Okay. All yeah. right. Well, things like that. That sounds reasonable. I was having a panic attack thinking that you're in a different room from from the actor's recording, and you're making it sound easier than my heart. Um, <laughs> I was really nervous. <laughs> I thank you for that, and everybody was perfection. I have some sound effects that I would like you to tell me how they were accomplished. Okay. Whether that it was you be or too the, difficult. Go ahead. Uh, well, you know, some are attributed to the engineer, some are... are over with you, and you've covered some of that already. Um, with the background crowds, you said you would gather together and <laughs> not right. say any we, bad words. We'd be in, in the little, little hallway, like, yes, uh, like, yes, a, like a sound ahead. lock type situation. Yeah, uh-huh. That was the crowd noise. How many would, if, if we had, for example, a posse coming through, now sometimes posses were pretty large, how would you make 
a sound for a posse. What kind of sound are you talking about? Well, what, what? Uh, you know, if they were, okay, come on, man, let's go, we're going to get them. And oh, the, 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 all the actors. And, the, the actors. The know, actors would do that. Every show had half a dozen people at least, you know, maybe more. Okay. Okay, so they they would handle being the posse members. Yeah, yeah all together. the actors would be the posse, whatever necessary. Sure. Okay. Uh, you already talked about the horses, and that was really cool. Um, and especially the fade in and fade out with the horses, because sometimes we'll listen to a program, and suddenly the posse is there. We didn't hear them coming. Suddenly they were in the front of the, <laughs> the bar or the house. It's like, Wait a minute, how do those guys Well, they would, they would be like a, a music interlude would come up, and then the horses would be coming up out of that music interlude, because they're not yes. just going to start yes. cold. You know? So there, there had to be a bit of a transition there. Yeah. They just didn't show up in front of somebody's living room. How about explosions? Who handled the sound yeah, those That was recorded. Those were pre-recorded. Sure. How about gunshots? Gunshots recorded. Mm-hmm. They were recorded too. Interesting. Yep. Um, we now are we talking about my time or earlier? You know, you whenever. know that they used to use all kinds of different things that never quite sounded like gunshots. But finally, it, it got to the point where recorded gunshots just sounded right, and they yeah. were. What did they sound like before? Well, you know. There was the situation where they would take like a yardstick and hit a leather chair. Okay. Boom! And it would make a smacking sound. That was like mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a gunshot. And there's all different kinds of things that have been done way back in the in the thirty in the twenties and the thirties and things yeah. like that. But we had progressed beyond that. Interesting. Like thunder was recorded also. You know, we didn't rattle a big piece of metal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But they did it one time. What's that? Did they do that at one time where they... Whatever there was thunder, it would be a recorded yeah. sound. Right? Yes. Okay. The things that were just outside, you know, we, we didn't create a lot of sounds because they, we didn't have to at that particular point. Somebody had already done mm-hmm. that, you know. There was a whole library full of sounds. Uh-huh. And there was and a company that produced somebody like produced the engineer records, knowing so. what he was pulling. I didn't hear that. Pardon me. I said that it, it, you had to have someone like the engineer in the studio, or as part. Yeah, that of was our, our fifth sound effects man. Your fifth the, sound yeah. effects man who yeah. knew what he was doing, or you would be toast. Right. Exactly. Like I said, and and he would have help from the assistant director also uh-huh. as necessary. Paul, that raises the question of how people were interviewed, screened, their work evaluated. Um, you know, an engineer is not somebody you pull off the street and say, "Go make sound effects." Well, that's what they did with me, but <laughs> the fellow, the fellow who, who did the recorded sound effects was one with the, with the most seniority, if you will, because that's uh-huh. the way it worked, you know. Uh, the, the person who had the experience, and then uh, you, you just learn your job. You, yeah. you, you practice uh, as best you can. Um, what I mentioned way back early in this, this discussion here that we talked about finding the, the job, the record spinner thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Fred Wolf, the, the, the DJ, when I was the office messenger, there was a, a two-week period where his his record spinner went on vacation, and I had to fill in for him. Uh, it was pretty traumatic because he had all kinds of gimmicks and everything. But you know, you just, you just do what you have to do. You know, play the music, play the commercials, play the gimmicks, yeah. and and hope for the best. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm thinking that you were an exception to the entry into sound effects because you were so familiar with the studio, you were familiar with the actors and the sound effects people, and you, you showed up with a bundle of experience that you could build on very quickly. How did the others begin? 
the other sound effects, man? Yes, please. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know how that happened, to tell you the truth. Okay. The, the, <laughs> the actors, I know, were all professional actors. You know, yeah. These, these, now, some of them, the actors, had been sound effects men. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, Jimmy Fletcher and Ernie Winstanley. Uh-huh. Who, I don't know if you know the names or not, but they, they were they were the actors on The Ranger. and Yeah. Ernie was one of the early Dan Reeves, for example, Patricia. And just, yes. you know, different guys moved around. You bet. Mm-hmm. That's really so, interesting. You know, they sort of graduated to the job is what happened. They graduated to the job. My gosh, yeah. I'm, I'm just astounded at the That's sound That's like effects. I did. You know, I graduated graduating. from the sound effects into the Cato part. So. Yeah. That's the way it worked. Wow. Because the part was available, and uh, poop, here I am. Hold up and my hand. you are. That is really wonderful. One of our listeners asked one night about phones in a show, especially Johnny Dollar on the um, confident you're familiar with Johnny Dollar. Whenever somebody hung up on him, we often heard him yell, hello, hello, and then click the plunger several times. Hello, hello. <laughs> I mean, you knew the guy hung up on the other end. And, of course, that never worked to say hello, hello. But sometimes the operator got on. How, how did that dovetail with the side effects? Why, did, why was that important to a show? I'm not sure if I really know what you're speaking about, so I can't help you well, with that. Um, I, I will tell you something. I thought you were talking about an echo type effect. Um, I would say something that we had that was really, we actually had an echo chamber. Oh, really? We had, in, in the basement of the building, there was a little, uh, actually, a hallway, but real low ceiling, only about four feet high, that went about six feet. The hallway turned, went about 30 feet. The hallway turned again, went about six feet more. And at one end was the microphone, at the other end was the speaker. And when we needed this echoey, like in a cave type of effect, oh yeah, they would turn the microphone on, uh, and so that the actor's voice would come on the speaker and be picked up by the microphone at the other end of the of the uh, the chamber. So actually, we actually had like a little cavern to create that sound of a cave. That's if you could picture this in your mind, you had. You had a sound effects and recording studio mansion. No, this was actually uh, in the basement. This is what we yes. used to create the sound of uh, somebody being in a cave effect. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking each time you, you tell me something like this, you've added another space from the mansion. And I'm thinking this whole thing must have been wired for sound. This is really great. Um, tell me what the most interesting sound effect you came across or had to create. Or do? I'm struggling. I'm failing in my struggles. No, 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 because I Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> uh, number two, that's number one. Number two, I can't think of anything. And number, number two, I'm going to have to say thank you for this interview. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Paul. Oh, Paul, thank you okay. so much. I hope you'll be able to come back and join us again. I would look forward to it. Take care, Paul. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll go back to the automation system, everybody. Here on Yesterday USA.
JAWS Professional Documents Document Alt Tab 0317 Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro Escape Escape Enter 2.0 set unloading jaw cans okay enter unknown function Jaws profession enter menu file leaving menus data window sound one star save as dialogue file name sound one edit S A T U R D A Y N I G A T three dash one eight dash one seven I T eight P A T R I C I A P A R T two P C S E C O N D Save it. Save button. Enter data window. Jaws Professional, Patricia from FL Home, Bill Bragg, Skype Alt Page Down, Menu Bar, Skype, Windows M, Leaving Menu Bar, Edit, Windows M, Alt Tab, Windows M, Desk S, Folder S, Sound Forge Pro, Enter, Escape, Enter, User Account Control, Escape, Escape, Enter, Page down. Escape. Escape. All tab. Patricia. All tab. Skype. Tray. All tab. Bill Brad. All tab. Registry. All tab. Replay. Ready. All tab. Sound Forge Pro 11. 